Charlie, can you say no blinkers? No pickles. I wish that I could fly way up in the sky like a bird so high. Oh, I might just try. I wish that I could fly way up in the sky like a bird so high. Oh, I might just try. Oh, I might just try. Hey everybody, RC Alienation version 2.0. I am Dan, this is episode 146, and the guys are here. Say hi guys. Hi guys. Hi guys. What's hi up? Guys. Of course that's Nick, Justin, yep. and Jesse. Yeah. yeah. Jesse's back. You were I'm gone back. last week. I was gone. Where, where, where were you? Were you like running down, running down? No, I was gonna. Yeah, yeah, Dan. Where, where, what where was, you yeah, was that, <laughs> What what was he doing, Dan? I, you know what? It's just not timely. It's just it, it's too soon. I was gonna. Used, we used to do a joke about whenever someone was gone for the weekend. It's like, what'd you do? Take a U-Haul down to Mexico to bring some illegals back? <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just not oh, poorly well, gotta, timed joke. Now I Dan. gotta go. I gotta go, guys. <laughs> It's oh just, crap! It's just uh, considering what's happening down there. That's just that's just not real cool at the moment. You kind of put that in reverse, pretty. pretty but alas, quick. you did it anyway. <laughs> no, I tried no, to no. stop, but you guys wouldn't let me. Yeah, we well, we did, had Hello. no idea where that was going. But no, I was uh, camping last weekend. You were went up, camping. did a little boating, fishing, swimming. Had a you know just a great time. Catch any fish. Um, did catch some fish. It was just um, trout fishing, so nothing, nothing spectacular. Yeah. Um, some cutthroat trout. We probably got like a, I think the largest one we got was like 18, 19 inches. So. That's not bad for cutthroat. Pretty pretty good size trout. Um, and yeah, so it was, a, it was a great weekend. I did not get any flying in that weekend, obviously. No fly. No, not no fly. For, what about the, okay, wait, like wait, wait, wait. I guess for last week, I did hear there Justin award me. Justin awarded me the no fly, which I had to... Except while I was listening to the show, was it last. true? It was true because um, we were speculating. Yeah, no, it was it was true. Um, after okay. the fun fly, I had a really you know busy week back, and then uh, that week after was Fourth of July. I think we were all slammed on that week, and then last weekend I was gone camping. So I believe today was actually the first time that I had flown since our fun fly. Oh, um, so quite wow. Yeah, so quite a little... Justin says, wow, like he's never had a break like that. <laughs> oh, just wait until <laughs> I do, dude. I was like... <laughs> oh, all right. So, anyways, um, no, I got to say, it just after, you know, Othello, our... It just, for some reason, it seemed to go really fast between Othello and our fun fly. And just getting, I guess, you know, pet, pedal to the floor, 100% all out. And so these last couple weeks not picking up the helis i gotta say sitting there last night going okay the weather looks great i have you know today being friday i have tomorrow or i have today off i'm gonna head out to the field and i can honestly say last night i was excited um to get up this morning throw the packs on the charger and load the helis up in the truck and uh you know make my way out to the field so got out there pretty early this morning and got in 20 flights today 
Not bad. It was not. It was a not messing around day. I, I couldn't have the whole entire day out at the field. This engagement thing's already kind of cramping my style uh-huh. because we had engagement pictures this afternoon. Mm-hmm. So I had to get an early start, but I still didn't manage to get in. Twenty flights, um, about fifty-fifty on the seven HV and the N seven. So you know, any day you can put in over a gallon of fuel through a nitro. I I call that a good day. And Man. charged up. Yeah, so for, first the, off, first off, I have a nitro. Want to know what depression sounds like? <laughs> <laughs> man. <laughs> and so, man, it was it was great. I did not have, I didn't spend any time tuning. All my helis were, you know, still flying great. And surprisingly enough, I didn't feel like I went backwards at all, flight-wise. Um, I actually feel like, I was flying harder today for some reason, which is really weird because I, you know, like I mentioned, I haven't picked up the transmitter in two and a half weeks or whatever. I was expecting to go out there, be a little timid. Okay, I'll, you know, first couple flights, let me just take it easy. I don't need to break anything right away. Let's just, you know, settle down. You but, know why, dude? That happens to me too. And it's because it's been so long, you don't want to waste time warming up. You just, yeah, so, you just got to get it all out and there was throw like, down. I take I take off, do one stall turn, and then just start throwing down. <laughs> I'm like, where is this coming from? But no, nothing, nothing went backwards, which was great because that was something I was really concerned about. Going, oh great, here goes the you know left pyro flips I'd been working on for a while, and a lot of other things. It's like let's just rewind and start over. But luckily, um, that was not the case at all. So it ended up the weather was great, not much wind, and. 20 flights later and it was an awesome day at the field so i do gotta ask you a question though because yeah. it seems to me that the two plus week uh no fly really puts mm-hmm. a cramp in your uh target flights for the year oh it definitely does let's well okay so let's see i i haven't you caught me unprepared here i haven't actually added them all up i believe i'm at three 389 right now. Oh, he's still moving, Dan. So yeah, we're is. sitting over halfway, though. We are we are in, you know, in July. We're over halfway through the year, and I'm not to my 500 yet, which is concerning. But one thing that I am banking on is I only have three more weeks of my internship left. So three more weeks, we head off to Urcha. Basically, I'm... I get off work my last day um, of my internship. I get on a plane and go to Urcha. I get back from Urcha. I have two more weeks off um, before I have to start school. So hopefully there I can you know kind of jump ahead because it kind of lays out. Have you cleared out. that with Kayla yet? Have you, have no, you? I, shh, Dan. He's going to hear. <laughs> Kayla <laughs> still thinks that he's working I, for the next two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> she, I told her I'm working. I don't get any weeks off. <laughs> I'm gotta get up at four thirty, just like every other day. <laughs> um, so hopefully, see, I kind of worked it out. So you know, x amount of weeks in a year. If I want to hit a thousand, I I have to get about twenty flights in a week, and that's you know a couple weeks off here and there. But pretty much, you got to hit that twenty flight mark. That's, so hopefully, that, that's really doable, though, isn't it? Twenty flights it, a week. It definitely is doable. But he just lost. But two, I just two weeks dude. took my yeah. And there was a lot of weeks where, 
you, you basically get rained out one day of the weekend and it's tough to get in 20. I mean, 20 flights in one day is a day at the field. You have to, you know, dedicate yeah. a good chunk of the day to get that in. So let's say on Saturday you go out and you get in 12 and then it ends up raining on Sunday. Well, now all of a sudden you only got in 12 flights that week. So it's, it's pretty easy to fall behind rather quickly. Um, Sounds like excuses to me. Yeah, it, it is excuses, but I'm going to make up for it is what I'm saying. All right. So hopefully in those two weeks, you know, get back to school and hit it hard on the weekends before it starts snowing there. So Nice. We'll see. I got to definitely get it in gear, though, if I'm going to hit that thousand mark. You're boring me. I'm going to move on to somebody else. All right. Well, whatever. You're just going to acquiesce to that? You're just, just going to... Well, see, I'm, it just so, so happened that I'm done, too. So. Oh, okay. That worked out yeah. well then, didn't it? Yeah, it worked out perfect. Good timing. So who wants to go next, Nick? Sure. I'll let Poochie finish. Um, let's see. Oh, wait a minute. You don't, I am, you don't want to hear what I'm doing? Then? Just, but, what's, no, I mean, you can go next. You can go third. We'll let Justin finish. All right. You sure yeah. about that? Yeah. You want yeah. to end on a positive note, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I have got, let's see. I did get some flying in last weekend. I got a lot of flying in. Felt good. Uh, just back, kind of back, really enjoying the flying part of flying. <laughs> kind of weird, huh? Yeah. Haven't, haven't been tuning anything, haven't been testing anything. I've just been flying. I've got my the second E700. Uh, I think all I have left is setup, and then it's ready to go. Did a little bit of maintenance on the other one, and man, I'm just, I don't know, the weather's not looking good for this weekend, but... I have enjoyed, man, just getting back to flying. I even took my heli to work a couple days during the week, getting in those, you know, turning the head speed down to about 1750, seven minute flights, grabbing four packs and uh, lots of, lots of working on right rudder peril flips and just good stuff like that. But yeah, no complaints. It's a good week. Is that all it boils down to, man? That was quick. Well, that, I mean, it's it's nice not to be tuning all the time, huh? Yeah, it's yeah, really crazy. My flight count is funny. Goes up. <laughs> yeah, and I'm actually starting to see stuff really come together and clean a lot yeah. of stuff up. So I am sitting uh, total at the end of the week at 338. Oh, not He's bad, climbing. man. All right, nice, dude. Oh, man, so 51 bad. away from Jesse. Yeah, yeah. which he's still. I mean, I expected him to do a slow, steady pull away, and I'm, I'm right on track with what I was. Yeah. In a world where 22 degrees of pitch just doesn't cut it, one tool, all setups, all sizes, all brands. Soko Heli Tools, a unique setup methodology. Soko Heli Tools, coming to a web page near you at www.soko-heli-tools.com. Set up different and Soko your heli. Well, for me here in Montana, you know, I'm, last year I talked about the uh, smoke season. Today was officially the season opener. Uh, 
It is smoke season. You caught the game today? Yeah. (laughs) And I got to tell you, it it pisses me off because there aren't any fires in Montana. It's all the fires over in Washington. Yeah, they're bad. Dude, Washington must must be ablaze. Where's the smoke coming from in Washington, dude? Eastern. Tri-Cities. All all, They're huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. bad. I mean, it's just... Real bad. Uh, oh, we, yeah. we probably got less than a mile visibility here because of the smoke. It, it's Damn. so bad that uh, Les Schwab announced that they are going to start taking stuff over, making trips, like, for for the relief efforts and stuff. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. So with flying, yeah, I got, got some flying in. I, uh... I haven't got. I didn't get a lot of flying in. Uh, I think I got uh, about nine or so flights in, which puts me at uh, three hundred and thirty-five ish. Three hundred thirty-five. Oh, yeah. right on the heels of Nick. I know. Yeah. Mm. And uh, you know, <laughs> actually, something crazy did happen. I was a little pissed off, and I was going to follow Nick's suit and make some. Facebook post about who wants to buy this piece of shit 14SG radio. Oh, yeah. I almost did that, Nick. <laughs> that is not... Sorry. You caught me in the middle of a yeah. swig of coffee. That is not what I said when I put mine up for sale. <laughs> Absolutely You might not. as well have. No, I love that radio. It well, did the, the raised up section. It couldn't do right rudder pyros. I... <laughs> I... I enjoy my 14 sg but there was a two-hour period in the middle of the week where it almost became wall fodder it almost it almost became wall fodder a 7 sg almost became a 7 sg <laughs> two 7 sgs so let me let me explain to you what was happening it was the damnedest thing i went to uh, create a new model and i hit new and you know it says you hold down the return button for one second and i did that yeah, you're on the right track so far. <laughs> and it froze. <laughs> it just froze. It froze? Wouldn't continue on. Um, I was in... Uh, at the, the, the current model that I had pulled up was the Rush. Uh, so I shut it off. And I turned it back on. Now, not only could I not create a new model, but I could not switch to any other model that was in the memory. Hmm. Ooh. So I'm making phone calls as you do, right? Trying to figure out, checking the the various locations on the internet, looking for someone who had a very similar problem. Didn't find anybody. Uh, find any? I didn't find anything. Um. Went so far as to go into the Putaba website to uh, download and print a uh, service form. And then a thought occurred to me that um, what if I just tried after two hours of cussing and just being pissed off? I mean, I was just like this, this, that's it. Uh, what radio can I get? JR? I'm going to go get a JR radio. Even called HeliPros to see if they had one in stock. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Seriously, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, they didn't have any 14 SGs. They had, uh, that new, I don't know if it's the new one. It was the 10 channel one. Yeah. The 10 J. Which isn't compatible with my receivers. Nope. So screw that. 
so I decided, why don't I just try to update the firmware or something? So I went through that process, pulled out the SD card, wiped it clean, reformatted it, put it back in the radio, uh, had the radio format it, and um, downloaded the new firmware. And sure as shit, everything's back to normal. Just needed a little loving. Needed a little loving. I'm a little disappointed, though. I did that, and I got the new firmware, but I have yet to figure out how I make my 14SG talk to me. Isn't that supposed to happen with the latest? Telemetry? Is, is it? it? Is it in the telemetry? Yeah, it's telemetry. Oh, that's right. It does talk, but it you is have only to, but, telemetry. And there, I think, I say think, there's an extra like sound files that you have to go download. You have to go to Futaba's website. I I'm, remember I'm not seeing it. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> care. It requires... Any effort whatsoever, yeah. Dan's not in. I'm not interested in that. Yeah. So long story short, essentially, I got it back, and it's working fine. I, I can make new models, and I can switch to different models. and Nothing like that panic feeling of bricking something, huh? Oh, dude, I was like, what? And I don't have access to Is this to a my... typical thing with the 14SG? It's the first time it happened to me. Mine, mine freaked out once. Yeah, I remember yours freaked out when you were trying to transfer models, right, from the 8FG yep. it just or vice versa. It was like, like and all seized up. So I took, what did I, I think I just unplugged the battery, took it all the way apart, unplugged the battery, mm. put it all back in. I tried fine. that, and I let it sit for 30 minutes because someone said, oh, let it sit for a while and make sure the capacitors just completely draw all the juice yeah. out. It didn't work. 30 minutes? Yeah, well, there's plenty. That's a big <laughs> dude <damn> capacitor <laughs> discharging like, into a really large <laughs> resistor. Like 15 seconds probably would have. Yeah, and that's actually what they said, but I was pissed off enough that I let it sit for 30 minutes before I did anything with it. You're in timeout. You don't get a battery. Exactly. You don't even get it. You don't even get you get back into the into the case and don't even get looked at for 30 minutes. Piece of shit. So But no, I got it all got it all sorted out and uh all's well that ends well. And uh, got some flying in, and uh, you know, just trying to get uh, everything sorted out for the the big trip, which I thought was next week. Apparently, it's not. It's uh, two weeks from now, which is a good thing. <laughs> Takes a little bit of the stress oh, off. That's great. But uh, that would that would have sucked <laughs> to show up <laughs> to get the RV Monday morning. Like, yeah, um, we just gave you an extra week of it's life. It's still too close, dude. It is close. It is close. But I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be a fun trip. Yeah, looking forward to uh, hanging out with uh, George and Taylor. That's right. So, and uh, Jack's still healing up. He's doing better. He's uh, actually healing up pretty well. Last I talked to him. So, continue to heal, Jack. And uh, there's always next year, buddy. I know you're, he was pretty disappointed. I kind of felt bad. Um, yeah, that would suck. He. You know, he's healing up to the point where he probably could make the trip, but he wouldn't be able to help. And that's kind of, you know, that was kind of, um, yeah, that kind makes of a deal breaker, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but he understands and, and I feel bad and, and, uh, always next year, Jack. So hang in there, buddy. And that's, uh, that's my week in a nutshell, Justin, what have you been up to? Well, since we're talking about that already, I might as well discuss the ongoing saga of my email and how it affects the Urcha Rhodey thing. So you you just heard Dan mention it. 
We have since uh, found a replacement roadie. Thank you to Taylor, uh, who is going to be hanging out with us and, and George on the trip to and from and at Urcha and helping out all that great stuff. If you haven't gotten an email from me, then it probably is because you got stuck in spam. So here's the thing. The first week we we posted that that message, I got like, I don't know, like a dozen, maybe 15 emails started getting back to people. And then I started getting and I, I like I told you before, in the background, I've been playing around with the spam filter setting. Larry Kagan's been messing with it. So I start getting additional emails here where it's like filtered, like that's the title of the email, filtered or spam or stuff like that. And it turns out that I go back and look through my spam filter and there were like 30, maybe 35 additional emails that were sent to me on this that I didn't actually get. So... I'm going to respond to you guys, but you hear me here now on the podcast. If you didn't hear from me, I apologize. The stupid email is incredibly frustrating. Uh, Either way, though, we have found a roadie. So at this point, uh, thank you for inquiring and maybe maybe next year we'll see what happens. On to my week. I've not flown. So no, I'm gonna take no another no-fly. No-fly. Now here, here's the I thing. I was waiting. I, he is collecting <laughs> the no-fly like cards. Not fly at all. I'm getting down on this. I I have determined, <laughs> being the nerdy engineer that I am, my flight count is inversely proportional to the temperature. Okay, so if you guys don't understand what that means, that's fine. But uh, basically, what it means is <laughs> I can't wait until winter. Because I seem to get a whole hell of a lot more flights in then. This season's been rough, dude. So between Othello, which was our season opener, and now, I've gotten in like 20, maybe 25 flights. I did that today. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's freaking ridiculous. Sounds like you have your priorities in the incorrect Mm -hmm. position. Your priorities are inverse. About that. that. I'm not going to go there. (laughs) <laughs> but but most of my week this week was spent dealing with various things behind the scenes and making sure that we're going to be ready to go to Urcha in a couple of weeks. And that's another topic I'm not going to talk about. Uh, but certain organizations certain of organizations, the larger scale that yes. suck. Communication (laughs) is apparently a challenge for many people. Options. They don't know how to pick up the phone, return an email. Uh, When they do, it's misleading and non-productive. And so here we are. Anyway, I don't really have a lot to say. What's your Uh, flight count at? My flight count is like, I don't even know, dude, like 270 something. Just horrible. Absolutely horrible. But it is what it is at this point. Well, I'm, I'm uh, feeling had, pretty safe already for the rest yeah. of the year. Well, I, yeah, I'm already <laughs> looking at various balls to uh, put on the trophy. Trying to figure out which set I like the uh, is best. That your, your daily browsing. I thought you were going to make that. Your daily Google search. Yeah. 
No, the mold is so that I can cast chocolate balls so that you guys can eat them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Wow. That's what the mold is for. That's some some childish ass hattery right there. You know what? You should do that because I I got an individual that you can send a pair to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But they won't be cast in chocolate. (laughs) 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 Oh. (sighs) I got a couple people we could send a couple sets of those to. It's just been one thing after another. And, and you know, I, <laughs> I'm i getting ready for Urcha Speed Cup here and haven't touched the speed since our fun fly. And it's still, you know, that was just getting it broken on the 14S system. So I got to get some serious practice in here. Uh, I, I think it's going to be this week. And I have this Friday off today when we're recording was my off Friday but I ended up spending it doing podcast stuff and some other secret squirrel stuff that I'm not going to talk about right now. Uh, but tomorrow, Sunday, if it doesn't rain, they say there's a 30% chance, then I'm going to try to get some speed runs in. You're such a tease, man. Why is that? It's secret squirrel stuff you're not going to talk about. I'm not going to talk about it, dude. Tease. Because if it doesn't happen, then I'm just going to look like a childish asshat. Well, we do that on a daily basis (laughs) anyway, don't we? That's true. I know what it is, and I can be bought. Just saying. (laughs) If you really want to know, send the check to (laughs) Nick Lynn. There you go. (laughs) My friends call me Cash. Don't use my last name. People know who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So that's all I got, Dan. That's all you got? I, uh, I've been pretty boring lately. That's right. Yeah, Roy. You're a pretty boring guy, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, yeah. don't worry. When winter rolls around, the flights are just going to start flying. Flying. <laughs> Yep. Uh, and then we'll have to listen to him complain about how cold it yeah, is. Yeah, because it's cold. Well, and- no. So hold on, dude. I don't have a cold problem. That's you, Nick. I got a hot problem. No. It's freaking 75 or 80 here, and it's way too hot. The last week has been in the <sighs> 90s. I can't stand that crap. It's perfect. That's yeah. horrible. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's sweaty. It's nasty. I'll tell you what. The novelty of sunlight wears off really quickly. Wow. No. <laughs> oh. Blat- oh. Watch your mouth. I am ready for a rainy day. Huh. You need a chocolate set to stick in that dirty mouth of yours. <laughs> I can cast them out of soap, too, Nick. Yeah. Because <laughs> this sunshine is a wonderful thing. It is. Yep. You're yeah. going to be bitching about the cold, nasty, dreary weather in winter. So, Is there a happy medium for you, Justin? I mean, really. Yeah. At one Not that doesn't involve complaining. <laughs> no, I mean, as long as I'm allowed to bitch and whine, I'm generally... Oh, I can't. Okay. No, no, uh, listen to this. I can't wait to get some of Justin's bitching recorded when we're in or when we're in Indiana and it's oh, yeah. balmy and hot. Nasty. Feels like 100 Sticky. degrees out. You know what? I'm going to record some of your bitching cuz I guarantee you it's going to happen. Nick, you like the sun because it's not like 100% humidity. Just wait. 
You ever been to the South in July? I've been to Florida. I get it. It just doesn't. I'd I'd still rather have it that than cold. Meh. I can feel everything when it's hot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there goes my fingers. I can't feel. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst. Well. Well, I'm going to move this right along and do some news. Huh? Do. Yeah. 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 In today's heli market, it can be a challenge to find a retailer that stocks a variety of different brands and parts, has great customer service, and boasts fast shipping. I can tell you that Rotary Wing RC has all of this and more. Finally, I feel like I found a place where I can get everything in one order, and I'm confident that I'll get the shipment quickly so that I can get back in the air next weekend. You don't believe it, huh? Trust me. Go to www.rotarywingrc.com now and check out your new go-to online heli shop. All right, guys, this week's news is brought to you by helidaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. You got any news this week, Nick? I do. It's called the Dominator. Klein has redone the 550. So this is the 550L Dominator. Super Combo is announced. And what do you know? The 550 looks like every other T-Rex now. <laughs> just has a different name? Yep. They just they they have taken the exact same design which in their defense actually works quite well. Mm-hmm. And have basically implemented it across every single size that they have. The 450 looks like the the well wait, no, they haven't done the 500 yet, have they? No, I don't think they've no, done I don't a 500, think the 500 this way yet. So the 450, uh, now the 550, the 600 EFL, or the 600 and the 700 now all look almost exactly the same. Except this one still has a DFC head, but don't fear. That's a right. shiny new red one an of the head. conventional form yep. will be available as an upgrade for the low price of like, 200 bucks so that you can actually shapely rotor head it's yeah. a shapely, shapely red rotor a head. shapely red rotor head yeah. with a happy ending <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> Some um, frame stiffers now so this is also you know the, got your the frame big stiffers. thing shapely frame stiffers <laughs> <laughs> shapely frame stiffers um, back in the day this it was one, Pamela Anderson she hey was a, Dan shush oh shush <laughs> <laughs> this one comes with a G Pro. Yeah, that's well. I was gonna say that if you guys would can it a camera. This one. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, this one comes with the new G Pro fly barless system, which I have not. I'm I'm actually kind of curious to to see how that turns out once it gets out into the general public. Hmm. It also comes with uh, the BL815 and 855 servos, most effective and high torque, winning most high praise from Team Align. (laughs) Of course they do, because it's what they have to fly. (laughs) Winning most high praise. Winning most high praise. Savor the aesthetic of this modern design. (laughs) which will definitely lure you back to the field 
and start a free ash new experience. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yep. A free ash. <laughs> and this one. Oh my god. Start a free Hope ash everything goes experience. well and perfect with you all. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Jeff wrote this? Yeah. No, Jeff copied and pasted it out of Align Taiwan headquarters (laughs) internal memo. Mess with that stuff. Yeah, he's got to not be allowed to, because this is. Well, I mean, hey, it's gold for me. So that's uh, thank you, Jeff, for posting that. I appreciate it. No, it does. It does look like a pretty sweet heli, though, and it, it makes sense with where they're going with this. And you know, one other news item. Uh, if you are curious about the G Pro, Colin Bell did an awesome video. Uh, I think he's using he's using one of the apps on uh, Android, I do believe. Going through some setup on the G Pro, so take a look at that. Uh, it does actually look like a really nice uh, user interface. Uh, so I think they're headed in the right direction. Uh, I wanted to take a second to mention, which by the time you guys hear this, it'll be over, but our thoughts are with you. Good luck to all the pilots at the air competition this weekend. So, UK, right? Anyone? Uh, <laughs> sure. Oh, my God. Am I the only one that knows what's going on? It's kind of somewhere so. else. No, I knew the, the air guy. competition was going on. I just don't know where it is. Yeah, UK sounds good. Yep. Yep. I think so. I think it is. So good luck, everyone. Uh, We've got some more information on uh, what quite seriously could be the most awesome looking 450 that I've ever seen, ever, which is saying a lot because I love the way the warp looks. The Chase 360. Dude, this thing is sick looking. Dude, this may get me to buy a 450. (laughs) Whoa. Really? Yes. I mean, not just because it is aesthetically pleasing, but the design is awesome. Look at this. It's So it's designed around a 6S LiPo, prototyping up to 12S. And it's a two-stage gear system, dude. Nice. Yeah. This thing is just, it's insane. If the batteries stay in it. <laughs> That was a great video. You have to admit. It's like, watch watch this guy uh, just totally beat the crap out of the Chase 360. And, I mean, he was just chucking it around. Brings it in, lands it, picks it up, battery falls out of the bottom. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah, that was great. But, no, this is, uh, I'm, (sighs) I just want it out now. I'm hoping that we get to see it at Urcha because that is one mm. sick-looking little heli. I hope it's affordable. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, that's fair. You that know? That is fair. It's got to have something other than the looks that really makes it, like, you know, stand. Like the, the warp, for example. A, the way the warp flew. It it, it flies amazing, and the it was very beefy, and the crash parts were inexpensive. So it gave it. It gave it something to make it worth it. But aren't there aspects of the warp, and I'm just going off of, you know, secondhand, (laughs) that are a pain to deal with when you do crash it bad? Yes. Okay, so, you know, this airframe looks like it's pretty open and easy to deal with. 
Yeah, it. You know, because that's, that's what, what I hate about four fifties. I mean, anyone that's that's flown four fifties has got to know how fun it is to deal with the Align four fifty Pro, the original Pro, and and that thing is just a pain to to fix to rebuild. Yeah. Yep. I, mean, I, think I think it's all in perspective, though. I mean, that's because that's to us because we fly nothing but 700s all day long. Every no, day. it has it, nothing to do with that. It just sucks. <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be really hard to get, uh, you know, to get away from that, too, because when it comes down to it, it's still a 450. There's only so much real estate available. So, yeah, I don't think they're ever going to be as convenient, you know, as wrenching on your 700, but definitely True. room for improvement. Dan, you going to get one? No. No. All wow. Right. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Uh, okay. Uh, mo- moving on. That's all the rest of the news. Nice work, Dan. Way to close it out. <laughs> yeah, finish I it actually off. have some news. Oh, well. Do uh, tell. little FAA news. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a, uh, a group out of Texas called Equisearch. You guys ever heard of these guys? No. They do like nope. searching for missing children and Oh, oh, nice. Well, they've been using drones since 2000. Well, they've been using UAVs. Okay. They're even referring to them as drones. Uh, I don't know why they're doing that, but since 2007. Well, uh the FAA sent those guys a cease and desist order um a while ago and they did comply, but they also filed a suit against the FAA. Um, today, uh, today's Friday, the 18th, a federal judge dismissed the case saying that the FAA has no legal authority, uh, to send this letter because it doesn't, uh, define legal consequences and a few other legal terms that they were omitted. Um, basically what it boils down to is, uh, this is another, win for the good guys as far as i'm concerned um it's funny though because even though they've now had two cases uh two federal well the ntsb judge and now a federal uh court of appeals uh, basically say you guys don't have the legal authority to to tell these people they can't be doing this they're still throwing out that uh that posturing the faa is still in a statement said the FAA remains legally responsible for the safety of the national airspace. The authority is uh, designed to protect the users of, air, of airspace and the people and property on the ground. So irregardless, uh, two judges have basically said, you don't have the legal authority to do that. They're still posturing uh, that they will continue to try to regulate this stuff, even though, even though they have no leg to stand on. Uh, Man. So, Food for thought. Uh, you know, they're a government agency. They'll do what they'll do, and I guess we'll just continue to play this game until, um, you know, the deadline. It's obvious they're not going to make their deadline for coming up with uh, with uh, regulation. Uh, so who knows? It's supposed to be done by the end of this year going into 2015. That's probably not going to happen. Now they're saying a year from now. Or better, so I don't know, guys. <laughs> it's mm. touchy, touchy. I don't know, touchy subject. 
guess it all depends upon which side of the fence you're on. But it, it seems to me that um, it, it just, you know, with everything that's happening, not just in our spectrum, uh, this this administration uh, is just running roughshod over a lot of liberties. And this is just one aspect of it. So, sad indeed we'll see what happens but uh, Equisearch says uh, they are going to resume using their UAVs in their humanitarian mm-hmm. efforts so hmm. there we go that's all I got anybody else got any news no nothing here nope alright guys this week's news is brought to you by helidaily.com your daily RC helicopter news magazine Have you ever wanted to upgrade your heli with something that's functional and makes it stand out from the crowd? Well, KDEDirect.com can help. With a full line of carefully engineered and optimized upgrades for multiple brands like Align, SAB, and Synergy, as well as some of the most precise and powerful electric heli and multi-rotor motors in the industry, they've got everything you need to turn that boring stock machine into a beautiful powerhouse That'll be sure to turn heads in the pits and in the air. www.kdedirect.com. Make it yours. So I think we have a review. Yeah? We do. Oh, what are we? What are we? Oh, yes. What are we going over today? You know, I. You know, guys, I think it might be. Uh, it might be time to talk about this uh, Synergy N7. I've been spending some time with. Nice. Good think so i think so dude all right so without further ado so as always got to start the review off so a huge huge thank you goes out to uh matt and amy bodos from synergy rc um we've talked about them on the show um you know matt owner of synergy the designer of the helicopter so first off thank you to you guys basically for you know making this review possible um i know for myself um, it was, you know, really, really cool to have the opportunity just to do this, um, because I think it's been quite a while since, you know, we've seen a competitive nitro like this or something that we're all really, really excited about hit the market. And, you know, hopefully and I say this very hopeful, um, that, you know, helis like this and more nitros coming out can kind of help to put, you know, nitro back on the map. Cause I don't know about, well, I know Dan and I are at least some, uh, Nitro guys, we currently have nitros in the fleet, but we do. But I would, some of some of some of us don't really fly nitros yeah, that's, much anymore. Yeah, okay, some people. Are, hey, I have some my people nitro are just engine. Getting, <laughs> I'm waiting for I'm an just, airframe. I'm just getting into it because I just hope to you know I hope to see this thing kind of revive nitro, put it back on the map. So, all right. So I get a kit that shows up. Um. Man, as soon as I get this box, so you get um, nice, you know, nicely colored box, picture of the heli all around, um, features and whatnot. And when I open this thing up, the first thing that I notice um, inside is every single part, um, you know, nicely packaged up. And get this, every piece of carbon fiber in this kit is in its own individual bag. Um, nothing in this heli is going to have a scratch on it when you pull it out of the bag. So that was really cool to see every single piece of carbon fiber in its own sealed plastic bag. So everything was flawless when I got it. 
Now, all the parts are either disassembled or very loosely assembled with no Loctite, not torqued down. Basically, you are building this kit from the ground up. There are no little assemblies um, in there that are, you know, Loctited together and ready for you to go. The next thing that I quickly noticed um, as I'm kind of digging through the box, starting to take parts out, is there's no physical manual in this. Um, and I think we've kind of, I've noticed this um, over the past couple helis I've built, and just kind of in general, um, there's only a PDF manual available uh, for the Synergy N7, and that's available on the Synergy website. Now, for me, I actually really, really like this. I know not it's not for everyone, definitely, but for me personally, I really like the PDF manual because generally when you have a PDF manual, it's you know a lot more color-orientated and, I guess, pleasing to the eyes. But not only that, I can have this manual on my computer, on my iPad, on my phone. I can have it with me at the field, at home, you know, when I'm out in the garage working, doesn't really matter where I'm at. I'm always going to have access to the manual or I can, you know, jump online and download it again. So for me, I actually am starting to prefer the PDF manual. So that was pretty cool. So once I get all the parts laid out, um, really start diving into the build. Um, it starts you off with building the fuel tank, you know, get the grommets installed in the fuel tank at the vent installed and this was a first step of the manual what do you know i kind of got hung up because the kit comes with a clunk and i know i mentioned this on the show i'm a fuel magnet guy this isn't a huge deal i, I run into this with pretty much any nitro kit that i'm building um, so i just you know went ahead got a fuel magnet and threw that in just my personal preference so next, you come to the skids and the clutch stack assembly. One thing that had helped me out here was I had built a Synergy helicopter before. So I knew some little tips and tricks about the skids. But this this can kind of be a little bit of a tedious step because I don't know if you guys have built. Well, I guess Nick and Justin have. But for those of you that haven't built Synergy helicopters, you have to slide this little threaded insert down the skid tube. And then as you're threading the screw through the plastic skid and into the tube, you have to make sure this insert's lined up so you can you know, hold everything together. And the trick is to use an old fly bar or like a threaded rod that you can thread this insert onto and then feed it down the skid tube. And so not a big deal, but if you don't have the right tools to do this, you can kind of fumble around on this step for quite a little while. And so get the skids put together and start moving on to the clutch stack assembly. And I immediately notice as I'm going through the manual, and I found this really, really cool, that there's all these colored Loctite symbols. And so it's not only telling you, okay, use blue Loctite on every metal part. End of story. You know how some manufacturers just put that on every page. They're going, use blue Loctite, every metal, metal connection. Well, in this one, he actually has it color-coded. So you have, you know, blue Loctite pointing to these screws, or red lock type pointing to this. And so it's really, really easy to follow and show you which color of lock type am I supposed to be using where and you know at what steps of the build is that going to come into play. So once I get that together, uh, this brings me up to you know the motor and the fan shroud assembly. This helicopter is capable, um, it's compatible with 91 through one, 105 nitro motors. And it is also compatible with the OS GT15 gas motor. Now, to make sure that um, this helicopter can accommodate all those different motors, 
this does require some slight modification of the fan shroud. And so, you know, once again, this is not a huge deal, but as I'm kind of starting to figure out at this point in the build, there's other tools um, that you need to complete this build. I know we kind of joked about it on the show. Or I, I guess I heard Dan joke about it on the show last week. You know how he said, well, with an Align helicopter, you can kind of just shake the box and what do you know? A heli falls out of it. Well, with this with this kit in particular, um, and especially you know with a step like this, I had to go and get out the Dremel, put the plastic wheel on there, and you have to trim the fan shroud to make sure that you properly clearance it so that you know, you're not getting any interferences with the motor. But on the flip side, this is really cool because, well, for one, you're getting to dremel the fan shroud to make it fit. But it also means it's compatible with you know a really wide range of motors. So whether you're an OS or a YS guy, you want to put that uh, the OS gasser motor in there. It's going to work great for all of those. So once I get past this, I go on and get the main gear and torque tube drive gears. And I got to say, guys, I was really, really impressed with the quality um, of these parts in particular, you have the uh, a CNC Delrin main gear in mod 1.25 torque tube gears. Extremely beefy, well-made gears. So one thing that I just want to point out about the one-way hub assembly and something that I ran into during my build was, so I, I go and I get the main gear assembled, I get the auto drive gear on there. And I'm spinning this thing around, and, and it's pretty tight initially. And it, it's a little bit tighter, you know, than I would want to put in the heli and go, oh, it might just break in. And what they do for this design is instead of having like a bearing above and below that uh, the one-way bearing in that assembly, they actually use these Delrin washers as kind of to allow that assembly to spin. What it ended up being was one of those was just a little bit too thick in my kit. So I had to end up taking those out and you know use a flat surface and just sand one down ever so slightly and kept rechecking finally got everything to free up all smooth operation from there you know now i got all these parts sitting here i'm sitting uh with getting through the build i've got the you know the clutch assembly the motor the main gear all that stuff and so i'm starting to put the frames together and put all this stuff in and so i install the motor and all those parts and this brings me to setting up the main gear to the pinion to main gear mesh for the helicopter now it says in the manual that you might have to shim the motor but most likely shimming will not be required well after i went through the procedure to making sure that the motor is properly installed and that the clutch stack is properly aligned with the motor um, i believe justin did a tech tip on that so i'm not going to go through all the details of how you get you know everything lined up there on a nitro heli um, but when i went through all that and then went to check the main gear to pinion mesh it was actually really really tight and so this basically told me that you know i'm gonna have to shim the motor forward a little bit to basically create that little bit of backlash that's necessary in there so that there are not shims included in the kit um, so that's something to keep in mind from the experience that I've heard from most of the guys who have this heli that I've talked to. It seems that generally the motor does not need to be shimmed. So 
I guess it's really going to depend on your setup and what you got going. But in my case, I did have to shim the motor forward just a little bit just to you know provide that proper gear mesh there. So at this point in the build, I'm about ready to start, you know, installing servos and electronics. So the setup that I'm going to be that I uh, flew for this heli was BK 700 size cyclic servos. I ran a BK tail servo, an aligned throttle servo, a full size V bar, aligned governor sensor, a push glow and a 4000 milliamp 2S Genzase lipo. Now, coming from the 700N, which was a nitro that I had before this, I immediately noticed that the N7 airframe feels a lot more open. There's a lot of places to attach the wires to the frames. You know, there's a lot of holes to put zip ties through and kind of clean the wiring up. There's also a, a ton of space up front on the heli to kind of tuck all the wires up and keep them nice and hidden. And for me, this is actually a big one because... I'm literally the type of person where I'll just sit there and, okay, how am I going to run these wires? You know, I'm sitting there kind of laying it all out in my head and then I'll actually do it. And I'll be like, ah, crap, that doesn't, that doesn't look good. And I'll just keep going it over and over until I finally find the combination that I like and makes the wiring look clean. Well, with this heli, I pretty much just nailed it first time because you just have so much space up front where you can just run everything nice and tight. And then once you kind of get to the front, just velcro everything up under that front receiver tray or battery tray up there and it just kind of tucks it all in and finishes the heli off really nice so once i get some servo and servos installed and get some of the wiring kind of laid out and done i start putting together the tail section of the heli now once again something that you you know you're not going to find i guess with your align helicopter or your other helis where you know all the alls that's required to build it is four for um, hex drivers and some Loctite. With this one, none of the ends are glued onto both the boom supports and the push rods. And I say push rods because the design that they have for the tail here is you have your tail servo, which sits way up in the front of the heli. Then you have this short push rod that shoots to the back to a pivot arm that's right at the back of the carbon fiber frame. And then from there, you have a longer push rod that shoots all the way back to the tail. So you basically have two tail push rods that you have to glue up and the boom support. Now, in the manual, it's very clear. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you sand up the carbon fiber rod, get it you know, really roughed up so that the epoxy can adhere to the surface. And in my case, for my build, I went with full strength original JB weld and used it liberally. I've not had... Just to kind of report, because I, I got to admit, at first I wasn't super, super comfortable um, with having to glue all this stuff. You know, I was kind of, it's like, man, if I don't quite use enough epoxy, I, I could just see this. It's not so bad if you lose a boom support. Um, you know, you're, the hell is going to shake a little bit for the rest of the flight. But unless it completely comes off and like goes through the blades, probably not going to be a huge deal. But if you lose a push rod, that's, you know, that's another story. So... I am happy to report that I have not had any issues with either of the push rods um, coming loose. So I've no had no issues with those. But I did, however, have one of the boom supports come loose. Now, to me, this isn't such a huge deal because every other heli I own, what do you know, has the boom supports pinned. So kind of expected 
Um, I was hoping it would work, but so what I had to end up doing was taking four small screws and drilling through the carbon fiber and pinning the boom supports. And since I've done that, I've not had any issues at all with the boom supports. So moving back even further, um, you know, kind of putting the tail case together, the tail blade grips at this point, everything's still fitting extremely, extremely nice. You know, it all goes together very smooth. There was little to no slop in this tail assembly. I chose to use white lithium grease in my thrust bearings as I do with pretty much all my helis that I build. So here, this, this brings me to a point that I want to make about this heli. And I'm sure that if you listen to some of the previous episodes, you've heard about this. But on this particular heli, the tail blades spin in the opposite direction. Now, this threw me for quite a loop <laughs> because, because not only did I have the tail blades installed backwards the first time, because, hey, you know, maybe it would be like a good idea to actually spin the head around and go, oh, wait, the tail blades are spinning backwards. You know, that, <laughs> that probably would have been cool to do on the bench before I got to actually freaking fly the thing. But so with, with most helis, when you're looking at it from the output side, you know, the head spins clockwise, tail spins counterclockwise. This heli head spins clockwise tail spins clockwise. Now I do got to say this, this is not an issue with performance or anything because you still have a leading edge control tail design. So there really is no, you know, no effects that I guess that I've noticed or could see with tail performance because you still get that leading edge control, but it is definitely something to pay attention to when you are building this heli and just double check that you know, you got the tail blades going the right direction because they're going, you know, backwards to every other heli I've ever built. So that now, one really Jesse, on 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 this one, did, does the manual call out, hey, <laughs> by the way, watch out because the tail blades are gonna spin in a different direction than you're used to. Justin, I would love to lie to you and say that it does not, but it does. <laughs> Aha. Okay, so it does call it out. You just didn't read it's, it. It's, no, it's, this is like the this it's is installing exactly like tail my blades. swash setting. It's installing, yeah, it's installing tail blades. I mean, I was like, oh, I got this. <laughs> so, but I mean, the, in your defense, it's one of those things where it's like, when was the last time you saw a heli that, you know, that does that? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the tail blade direction is totally dependent on okay, is the auto drive gear below the main gear, above the main gear? What's the orientation of all the torque of the front torque tube drive assembly? That whole kind of deal. Yeah, you can basically dictate which way the tail blades um, are going to spin. So the last kind of little part of the build, I get to the head. And once again, um, I'm a huge fan. This is, you know, it comes with the traditional style head. So you have the, excuse me. So you have the swash driver and man the it you know went together great once again used white lithium grease on the thrust bearings a silicone grease on the dampers um i do usually grease my dampers and you know what i really liked was so i you know i get the whole thing put together and i just crank down on those spindle bolts um obviously not wanting those to come out or loosen up and when i'm done with that i literally just hold the blade grips out to the side and 
drop them, drop the arms, and you know both just fall right down vertical. So extremely free, um, very well put together, and yeah, it went it went together great. So now that I have the airframe kind of built, it's time to put the canopy on and you know really finish this heli off because I don't know about you guys, but have you seen that canopy on this heli? Beautiful. It that, is a sexy canopy, dude. Yes. I am a huge, huge fan of, for one, the shape of the canopy. So when you look at this canopy from the front, it definitely has some, you know, little accents going down the side that I, you know, I you don't see in a lot of helis. And then number two, I love the colors um, that he incorporated in this in this canopy. Very simple, yet they really pop, and they're easy to see when you're flying it. And so. When I put the canopy on this heli, I did notice that as I spin the head around, the main gear did rub the did rub on the canopy ever so slightly. Um, and, you know, this can happen. I've had this happen with other kits where, who knows, maybe it's just sitting in the box a little bit wrong. And that's how it sits while it's getting shipped around and whatnot. And by the time it gets to you, that's kind of how it's set. And so when you go to put it on your heli, it, it rubs a little bit. Pretty simple fix is... You know, I just use some paper towel or some towels or basically whatever you have available. And I put it in between the canopy and the main gear. And then I slowly, with my heat gun on a pretty low, low setting, just slowly heat up the canopy. You got to be really careful because you can ruin the paint quite quick, cautious with the heat. And then, you know, once that canopy gets heated up, just let it cool down. And since I've done that, no more um, no more rubbing issues. It seems to have be holding that new form just perfect. So that was good. So just kind of, you know, now that the helicopter's built, my overall thoughts on this build is kind of like I mentioned throughout. It's not the type of heli where you're just going to need four drivers and a little bottle of blue Loctite to build it. There's definitely more to it with this helicopter. Now, if you have all the tools required, this isn't going to be an issue. You know, every single tool that was required to build this heli, I had available to me. So none of this is a negative in my book at all because it's all sitting right there on my bench. But to some people, you know, maybe just getting started in the hobby, don't have, you know, a whole workbench just full of tools. This could be something that you want to consider or plan ahead for, you know, if you decide to go ahead and build this helicopter because... You are going to need some things that you might not need on some other helicopters. Overall, the build went, I would say, went very fast. It did not take me long. Part of this is probably due to the fact of building quite a few helicopters, but the manual is very straightforward, easy to follow. Um, yeah, just not confusing at all. And a couple little cool things about the helicopter that I noticed as I was going through the build is it, it seems to be... I guess, well thought out and well laid out. So you kind of have an upper or a front and back upper lower frame design. So that's cool to kind of minimize, I guess, crash damages and cost. And then another cool little thing about the build was there's lots of little cutouts in the carbon fiber to help you reach screws and assemblies and stuff that are in between the frames. Um, you know, so clamp putting the uh, clamping the boom into the front boom block there's a hole there in the carbon fiber for you to reach through and access that screw and clamp the boom down 
when you're putting the fan shroud on, there's little holes cut in the carbon fiber so you can put your driver through the frame and you can access those fan shroud screws. So it, it just seems like, you know, a lot of thought went into it like that. And I didn't find myself, you know, taking stuff back apart to access stuff that maybe I should have tightened up previously or whatnot. So that was cool that I could just keep going forward um, with the build. So now the helicopter's built, I move on to setting up the V-bar. And I have to say, this is probably one of my favorite features about this helicopter. We've discussed it on the show before, but anytime you're building a new heli, it always seems like, what servo horns am I going to use? How thick do they got to be? Am I going to use aluminum servo horns? Am I going to use plastic? You know, which brand am I going to go with? Blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. Well, the cool part with this heli is you can use just those little cheap, small round, um, in my case, Futaba servo horns. I'm sure there's other manufacturers out there. But just the really small little round guys, just one circle of holes going around them. And what makes this possible is they actually include a carbon fiber arm that you use four M2 screws that go through the carbon fiber arm and into this round plastic servo horn. And it kind of holds them all together. Now this, in my opinion, has quite a few advantages. Um, For one, I don't have to worry about geometry per se, you know. There's only one hole cut in the end of this carbon fiber insert, so that's the hole I put the ball in. I don't need to worry about, okay, now do I need to find servo horns that have 14, 16, 18 millimeter distances or, you know, trying to get that geometry exactly perfect. It's already been thought out and planned for. You just bolt them on, put the ball in the end, and your geometry is going to be good to go. Secondly, guess what's going to strip out first in a crash? These, you know, these small little plastic servo horns or your servo gears. I would nearly, I would bet that these servo gears are, that the servo horns are, are going to strip out much before the servo gears do. And for me, I hate rebuilding servos. So that is another huge benefit. And then lastly, they're just flat out cheaper. I mean, these are a very inexpensive replacement, especially if it saves you a set of servo gears in a crash. Who cares if it, you know, it's a couple bucks for a small little servo horn. Because some of those aluminum and plastic ones can get quite expensive. And they might not protect your servo gears as well. So for the V-bar setup, um, fairly straightforward. I, you know, I blew right through it. I've been, I've set up the V-bar numerous times. Um, one thing which was nice to find is this heli does have a 10 millimeter main shaft. So the swash plate leveler that I already have just slid right on there and then one thing that i want to point out about centering up the servos um so in pretty much every fly barless system there's that step where you know first you get the servo arm sent so it's 90 degrees on the servo and then you kind of fine-tune it electronically well my my recommendation with especially the elevator servo i had to learn this the hard way what is to center up that servo before you install it in the heli because what I found is I put the heli together, I install all the servos, I kind of you know wiggle the servo horns in there, get them all up at get them at ninety degrees. Then once I get through the setup, I go back through and I'll put the screw that holds the servo horn on into the servo. Well, I can't figure out any way to get access to the front of the elevator servo. <laughs> so 
Out comes the elevator servo, put the screw in, throw it back in. So if you just, you can avoid that very easily by just centering up the servos before you put it into the airframe. Now, one one thing that was really nice to find, which we'd, we've also discussed this in the past, is the rod lengths in the manual. So when I'm going through my build, I'll take all the rods and all the ball lengths and I'll look at what the manual suggests for starting lengths and I'll set them all up at that. And when I was going through doing the setup, I actually found that those were really, really close. I did not find myself going around making you know a bunch of turns on one here and one there. Um, just to, you know, a couple turns here and there just to fine tune things, but it was really nice to see that the, the rod lengths were really close right out of the manual. So once I had the setup completed, now I'm kind of wiggling the head, moving the tail, everything still seems pretty tight. And so I, you know, I pop off one of the ball links or one of the rods and check the ball and man, they are really, really tight from the factory. So you will have to go around um, and size pretty much every single ball ball link on the heli. Now, the downside to this is Synergy helis use big balls. And they are much larger than other 600 or 700 size helis that I own personally. Um, but since I did have the N5C before, I did have the correct balling sizer, but this is your first Synergy Heli. This is definitely something to consider because you will find that your normal 700 size balling sizer just is not going to cut it um, with sizing these links. So once I went around and sized up all the links, no issues, you know, spent a little bit of time getting the tail links all sized up, making sure that the tail operation was nice and smooth. Um, everything was good to go. Now, the last little bit about setup here is I'm sure that during when I kind of went over my electronic setup, I'm sure you guys probably heard me say a 4,000 milliamp 2S receiver pack. Yeah, I was waiting for you yeah. to get to that. <laughs> now, now that is not a mistake. I, I am, in fact, running a 4,000 4, milliamp 2S receiver pack. On this Have heli. you recharged it yet since, since no, the I'm, maiden? No, I'm still going. It's uh, 70 flights, and I have not recharged it yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I got to say, at first, I'm sitting here. So what I always do when I get a new heli is I'll go through the build, and I'll kind of use random things, I guess, to set up the CG at first because I, you know, I'm not sure where it's going to fall. It's very dependent on the electronics and what bells and whistles you put on the heli. So... I'm grabbing other batteries, putting them on there, and I just I keep adding batteries to the nose of this heli. And finally, when I get it to CG out, I you know I weigh all the batteries that it took to um, that it took to balance it, and then I'll go buy my my receiver pack. So in my case, I landed on a 4,000 milliamp receiver pack. At first, I was kind of like, this seems like a lot of unnecessary weight because this this receiver pack comes in at a half a pound. I mean, we're not, we're not messing around here. This is a sizable battery hanging off the front of this heli. But once I kind of got the build done and actually threw the whole thing on the scale and kind of took the heli in as a whole, wasn't, you know, wasn't nearly as bad as I, I had um, originally thought. So the last little bit is I'm running the heli at 13 
and a half degrees of collective pitch and 1950 on the head. So that's, you know, that's what I'll be flying it at. That's what I'm still flying it at. So this brings me up to the maiden flight on the helicopter. Finally getting, (laughs) finally getting to the part everyone cares about, the actual flying. And so, as I mentioned, the maiden flight was almost extremely eventful. I nearly had my tail gyro set backwards. Luckily, I <laughs> <laughs> luckily I caught that before I ever even carried the heli up to the flight line. Um, you know, with a thorough pre-flight inspection. Um, so the maiden flight went went great, and right off the bat, so I picked this heli up, I bring it up into a hover, do a couple pyros, and then I'm just gonna start cruising it around a little bit. And about halfway through the first flight, I already find myself just 3D in the heli, just beating it up. Haven't touched a V-bar setting yet. Just kind of, eh, it'll probably be somewhere around here. Sort of deal. And I just start beating the heli up and immediately notice that it feels very tight and locked in um, on the head. And man, I got to tell you, when I landed that first flight, I was so excited because I'm going, I haven't even tuned this thing yet. Just think about where I'm going to bring the performance of this heli once I finally do get it tuned and get the V-bar, you know, completely dialed in. So I'm not going to go over the, you know, I guess the tuning process. We there's I get, there's multiple forum posts and a whole show about tuning helicopters. I will, however, post my V-bar file um, off the heli. I got quite a few emails asking for it. I will post it up on the website for those of you who are interested. And you can kind of take a look and see where I ended up on the settings. But just kind of as an overview um, of where the tune ended up on the heli, I was able to get the head gain up quite high um, with no bobbles in the head. Now, probably some of this is due to you know, it being a nitro and the weight and disc loading of the model. Um, but regardless, I was able to crank that head gain up. Secondly, um, for people who fly V-Bar you know that sometimes it can be a huge pain to try to get the tail dialed in on the V-bar. It always seems like on some helis, there's that slight little wag that you just can't quite get out. You're going back through your mechanical setup and you know making sure everything operates smoothly and whatnot, and you still just can't quite get it out. Well, with this heli, I found it extremely easy to tune the tail on the V-bar. Um, you know, went out there, set my main gain, very, you know, very clear when I was starting to overgain the heli and just backed it down a little bit, and I barely had to adjust the P and I at all. So that was great to see. And then with the style slider and the paddle sim, I turned those up just a little bit because I kind of prefer the really locked in um, feeling. You know, I guess very sim like. And so that's kind of where I ended up. On the tuning and setup issue, but like I said, I'll put I'll go ahead throw the v, the uh, V bar file up on the website, and for those of you guys that are interested, you can take a look at that. So Jesse, I think I found the one for you. The one what? The one heli that'll pull you away from flying that other brand. Oh yeah. Seriously, man, I've got hundreds of flights on my Blade 700X, and I am blown away at how maintenance-free it is. Now, I know you're the type of pilot to put some serious flights in during the year, and I really think this will not only meet, but exceed your expectations in quality and performance. 
Well, I suppose I better head over to bladehelis.com and take a closer look at that 700X. So for the performance, I guess flight performance of the heli. So starting with the tail. Now this heli does have a very, very high tail ratio. Um, I believe it is 4.9 to 1. So oh. for for a 700 size heli, that is, that's that's pretty high. I don't actually know of any helis that are higher. Um, awesome. Yeah, so you get a really, really high tail ratio. You couple this with the fact that I was running 115, 115 millimeter tail blades on it, which are not necessary at all because that high tail ratio is going to give you a ton of mechanical gain. Um, I could not get the tail to budge at all. Now, I'm by no means a hard, you know, hard, hardcore smack 3D pilot, but I can do, you know, um, pyro flips right and left, reverse pyro flip reversals, pirouetting loops, even just full throw pyros right and then all the way back to the left, smash the stick all the way back to the right. Um, I I could not get the thing to budge, and it's, it seems to be extremely tight and dialed um, the whole time. And then the other cool part was with the power delivery of the nitro, it was easy to tune the pre-comp and, you know, really no negative symptoms in that regards and just, I guess, no tail kicks overall. The head performance on the heli, I I was correct in that, you know, I, <laughs> I was correct in being excited because I did get it better from that first initial flight, but the theme kind of, the overall theme did stay the same. It remained very tight and locked in. And I would really describe the head as responsive and predictable. Now, for me, this is a huge deal because if I'm going to be throwing a heli around on the deck, I need to have full confidence that, you know, as soon as I give that stick input, the heli is going to respond. And it's nearly impossible to fly low and to fly hard if you don't have that confidence and that connected feeling. And I definitely got that with the head performance in this heli. Now, I'd want to talk about, I, w- I want to hit on actual numbers um, of the weight of the helicopter. So for my setup, with no canopy on, no fuel, and no receiver pack, I have a weight of 8.975 pounds with the helicopter. So now we add in a half a pound receiver pack, and it holds 0.91 pounds of fuel, And since I generally tend not to fly with the canopy on, this brings my kind of takeoff weight up to 10.38 pounds at the beginning of the flight. And I'll lose about a pound of fuel as I go throughout the flight. So a fairly, I would say this is a very competitive weighted model um, towards the lighter end. And then the canopy weighs 0.45 pounds. So if you choose to fly with that, that would bring my total um, takeoff weight up to 10.8 pounds at the beginning. And then once again, losing about a pound of fuel um, throughout the flight. You might be asking yourself, so what kind of pilot would I say this helicopter is for? And really what I found throughout doing this review is I'm, I tend to classify myself as a smooth 3D 
Um, I definitely have a couple, you know, a couple harder maneuvers. I'll fly it on the deck and then some big air um, here and there. Definitely not as much as I'd like, but that's kind of where I stand with my flying style. And I got to say that I have not found any negative performance issues through any of the maneuvers that I can put this thing through. Um, in big air, it seems that the heli, you know, tracks extremely well with the 13 and a half degrees of pitch. Um, you can really get this thing moving and then, you know, I'll do a huge power loop, throw it right into a wall and start beating it up on the deck. And the thing just does not budge. Um, when I'm throwing it around on the deck, just to reiterate, you know, very tight and precise. And I feel like if you did want to do a full five minutes and 45 seconds of flying, which is what I get um, per tank of fuel on this heli, I feel like it would take it whether it's on the deck or big air. So as far as trying to classify it as, you know, oh, is it a heli where you really have to crank the head speed up to get the head to lock in and to make it fly right? Or is it, you know, a heli where it likes to be ran low and smooth and big air? I think all the above. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be ran one way or it doesn't have to be ran another. Um, you know, I just, it's, in my opinion, it's a well-rounded helicopter that could take a multitude of flying styles. It wouldn't be a real review if, you know, if we didn't put it through through a crash test. Don't you guys think? I think every <laughs> airframe review needs a good crash on it before, you know, you can really evaluate the heli. We never do it on purpose, but somehow it just seems to work out that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I did have a crash on the heli. So I'm going to I'm going to tell you guys about it and evaluate the heli on that aspect as well. Now, even right now, I'm not 100% sure exactly what caused the crash. I do know, however, that I lost the tail in flight and when I, you know, when I finally got the heli home and tore it all apart, when I looked at the front torque tube gears, the kind of front transmission assembly there, now these torque tube gears are not attached to the shaft from the factory. So what you do is you put a pin through the gear, through a shaft, and then you thread a set screw down through the end of the shaft that kind of holds that pin in place so it can't slide out. So what I'm guessing happened was, A, when I was building the heli, I either did not get that set screw tightened down enough to where it was properly holding the pin in, or B, I didn't, the Loctite either didn't set or I didn't use enough, and somehow that backed out just enough so that that pin was able to slide out. But when I got it back to the bench, the pin was completely gone, which meant that the, uh, the helicopter was no longer transmitting power back to the tail. So that was obviously the failure point, but this does bring up a really good point about the manual um, for this helicopter, and that's there's all these little build notes um, in the manual, and he he has most of them boxed and outlined, and you really want to pay attention to all of those because they're in there for a reason. There's lots of little tips and tricks as you're working through the build, and a lot you know this was one of those that was pointed out in one of those notes and it's you know clearly tightened down and locked tight you know really tightened down and locked tight that screw because this is all that's holding the pin in just kind of the theme throughout the whole build just pay attention to those because they there really is some valuable information in those so take the time to read them 
Guys, just read the manual. That's all we're asking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> read the well, and I think it's you know, there's there's two types. I put them into two types of helicopters. There's just the the slap and go. A lot. You know what I mean? The <laughs> there's like eight pieces to them it seems like you've built one of that brand uh and they all of all the others are exactly the same. Uh, you know, when you get up into the, I'm going to say the higher quality ones, that's just not the case. Things are a little bit different. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's worse and that doesn't mean that it's the wrong way or the right way to do it. It's just different. And you need to read the manual thoroughly because nine times out of 10, all of the information is there to build it properly. You just have to, you know, don't breeze over it. Really pay attention. Yep. Read it and follow it. Two-step process. <laughs> <laughs> so so after um, getting the heli home, taking it all apart, evaluating the crash, it was not nearly as bad as my initial thought. Because, if I mean, if you guys would have seen this thing go in, it was, it was one of those 700 thuds. And you know the sound I'm talking about. We've oh, all yeah. heard it. It was the it was the hit. I mean, this thing hit the ground hard. Um, lost the tail. It went in directly on the tail, and then immediately flipped over right onto the head. And so, quite a spectacular crash. But silver lining is not as much stuff broke as I would have originally guessed. So the final parts list ended up coming out to a tail output shaft, tail hub, tail boom, boom supports, push rod, torque tube feathering shaft, and a couple plastic servo horns. And I really want to hint on the plastic servo horns because as you notice, I did not say servo gears. There was no gear sets lost in this crash, just a couple of those nice little $1.50 servo horns. And I'm happy to report that my servos have no slop in them whatsoever. So that seemed to work perfectly and the servo gears served their purpose. Um, Are so these you, the style that um, Matt has used in the past, where you take this, it, like the carbon fiber arm? Is it yeah, that style? Yeah. So you you just use the the small little round plastic ones with the carbon fiber arm kind of screwed into it. This is still like I and I stand by this. Yep. The most awesome. Well, ooh man, this is tough. No, actually, yeah, I am still going to say that it, this is the best servo arm design that I have ever flown. Because, I mean, how many of us have those little teeny small round, completely yeah, piles of them. worthless servo horns <laughs> laying around that get used in nothing? And, you know, they just bolt. They take a carbon fiber arm and bolt it straight to those so it strips out. The arm doesn't get damaged. The ball doesn't get damaged. Yet, the gears. <laughs> yep, the gears. Yet when you have it bolted up, it is such a rigid and strong yeah. well, design. It, it uses four M2 screws to attach mm -hmm. the carbon fiber arm to that small plastic servo arm. So, you know, plenty of strength from that regards as well. And I so just, I love it. When I went and, you know, placed the order for all these parts, this came to about, I, I believe, like $180 um, in parts, which considering, um, so considering the airframe, 
I went and looked. I do got to say the parts for this heli, um, you are paying for quality. It, you know, there's definitely a quality aspect with this heli and you are paying for it when you're buying replacement parts. The parts are near, I guess, the more expensive end of the spectrum. But on the flip side, I feel like this crash, you know, could have been a lot worse. So not nearly as much stuff broke as I would have thought. So there's kind of a balance there. You definitely have to consider the parts cost, but you also have to consider how well the heli crashes and how it's going to hold up in a crash. Now, one of the really cool things is you can order the parts directly through Synergy. Um, so I just, you know, went over to their website and they have all their parts. They had everything in stock. And what do you know? The next day after I ordered them in the mail on their way to my house. So now I just kind of want to hit on a little bit. I've had a chance to put 65, uh, 70 flights on the airframe. One of the huge things for me, and I've hit on this before, is maintenance. You know, am I going to be working on this heli every single day when I get home from the field? Am I constantly wrenching on it when I'm not crashing it? Um, so that kind of stuff. And I feel like I got a pretty good idea of what I can expect with this heli. And I'm extremely pleased to report that I haven't had to replace really anything from it just wearing out. I mean, the tail... You know, extremely tight still, no slop. One of the major things for me is I haven't had to replace a single link. Because it always felt like on that 700N, it felt like every single week there was a link that was wearing out or getting loose. And every, you know, every so often I'd have to replace all the links on the entire heli. I have not had to replace any links yet. That is kind of saying something since it's a nitro model, you get tons of oil and grime and dirt you know around that ball kind of grinding away at that thing for me huge selling point um it, it it's really i hate to say it but almost what kind of kind of depends or uh decides which helis stay in my fleet because i do not like you know i have no problem wrenching on a heli when it crashes that's you know that's unavoidable but what i hate is you know wrenching on the heli from stuff just wearing out what I would consider prematurely. Some of the, I guess, slight modifications that I have made to the airframe since I've got it, and I say very slight because for the most part, this thing is right out of the box. I haven't had to do anything. But as I mentioned before, I did have to go through and pin the tail boom supports. Um, so what I kind of do, do for this is just use you know really thick CA glue and four screws, as I mentioned before. And that completely fixed um, that issue. I've not had I've not had them come apart since. And then secondly, something that I have had to do on other helis as well is I was noticing the tail blades um, do not have very much clearance between. Um, let's say if you're flying in grass, I noticed that the tail blades were constantly hitting the grass. Now some of this could be due to the fact that I'm running 115, so that's going to lessen that clearance. And I do fly at a field where, you know, the grass isn't isn't always mowed. It kind of depends on if, you know, Nick brought his lawnmower out or not. So what I did to fix this was put a, I used an old skid and I kind of, you know, cut the center piece out of it and then drilled new holes in it to match it up with the N7 and put that underneath the rear skid just to pick that tail up just a little bit and give me that extra clearance so that, you know, when I'm landing in long grass, 
flying at a field, I'm not going to be hitting those tail blades on the ground. Now, if you're taking it off on concrete, like when we were at our fun fly, for example, there was zero issues with the tail hitting. So there is plenty of clearance. Um, it's just those, you know, those cases where you're flying to maybe longer grass and you just need that little bit of extra. So other than this, I have not had anything where, you know, I have to get back out the Dremel or do any sort of fixes or anything like that. I'd want to spend just a couple minutes hitting on, you know, I'm sure there's some people out there sitting, you know, saying to themselves, the N7 sounds like a pretty cool heli, but to be honest, you know, I have a 700 nitro or 600 nitro or whatever sitting right here. That's, that's flying exactly, that's flying perfectly fine. So why or what, you know, give me some reasoning as to why maybe I should switch to this heli or it should draw me away from my current heli. And trust me guys, I was sitting right there with you because the 700N that I have, that I had was a, you know, it was a reliable heli and it did fly good. But what I immediately found with the N7 is a lot less maintenance. I just find myself working on the helicopter less. It's pretty much grab the heli off the shelf, throw it in the back of the truck, go to the field and keep pumping fuel through the thing. And then once I get home, just hang it back up on the wall and it's going to be ready to go next time. So that, you know, that's been awesome. Second is this heli crashes a whole heck of a lot better than the 700 ended. I did have my fair amount of crashes on that heli. Some of them expensive, um, some of them not too bad, but from what I saw with this one crash that I did have with the N7, I think it's going to hold up a little bit better in a crash, and hopefully that will you know, keep that those crash costs down just a little bit. And then, you know, another thing to hit on is that larger kind of airframe or that larger presence. So when you do crash, I found this heli really, really easy to pull the motor out, take parts off, replace parts, and just overall enjoyable to work on. Um, like I mentioned, there's lots of stuff that's well thought out so you can access those screws. I didn't find myself, you know, fighting the heli to get it apart. Um, it just seemed like everything came apart very easily and smoothly, and it made the repair uh, much faster so I could get it back in the air. The flying characteristics um, of this heli, I, I immediately noticed because right when I first built this heli, I was basically one week flying a 700N. I built this heli fairly quickly, and you know, flying then I was flying an N7. So that did give me a little bit of time there where I could still very clearly remember how the 700N flew. And I got to say that this one feels feels more locked in and tight on the head. I can really, really notice it in the cyclic response. And I think it really comes through in my flying because I find myself flying this heli lower and harder than I have with my other helis. So, you know, just some things to consider. I, you know, definitely understand that it might not be the right heli for everyone, but just because you already have a helicopter out there that's flying just fine, that doesn't mean this one isn't on the table. Just to kind of wrap up, this heli is, the N7 is going to be in my fleet for some time, guys. This this one, this is one of those, with you know, with all the things I've hit on, it's staying put right in my fleet for, you know, who knows how long. And I've really, really enjoyed just having the opportunity to fly this heli and to do the review and I'm dragging this thing all over with me. I mean, I'm going to be taking this thing to Urcha, OHB, and any of the other events that I go to throughout the summer. 
if you guys have any questions, you know, about the setup, the airframe, the build, want more information, um, please, please feel free to shoot me an email. And also, guys, take a look at the written review. Um, there's some stuff that I didn't go quite, you know, I went into more detail in the written review on some stuff. So go ahead, take a look at that. And once again, any comments or anything on that, just please feel free to uh, shoot me an email and I'll get back to you. So once again, a huge thanks to Matt and Amy Botos and Synergy RC for, uh, for the opportunity. It was a lot of fun. There it is, Synergy and 7. It sounds like a winner, man. I love that freaking helicopter. It's, it's <laughs> it not going sweet. anywhere. I mean, we've all seen it flying. It flies amazing. Yeah. It's the nitro. That may be where just, my nitro power plant goes. Just like I said at the beginning, it's bringing it back. Yeah. It's just the start. I it's, do. Bring it sexy it back? Up bringing sexy back dan <laughs> nah, it's a, awesome I, i've really enjoyed you know not only watching jesse fly it but just being able to kind of manhandle it up close and it's you know he matt really you know he just it's a well thought out model it was yep. funny because i when i first heard the whole you know larger receiver pack thing it, re, it really does require that in order to mm-hmm. uh, in order to CG out okay, I was like, no, how could he just no, how could he do this? You know, how could we how could he forget this? And it's like, oh, everything is so good. And then you weigh it and it's still light. After that, you're going, Oh, well yeah. wait a minute. Okay, so now I can literally just kind of show up with my you know, my gallon of fuel and my starter. I don't even have to worry about bringing a charger to the field because um, you can fly all day on that. And I, I dig that too. So it worked out well. Carrie Shirley came came by, brought some gas with him. Carrie Shirley's got <laughs> gas. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to play that real quick. We'll be right back after. Precision. Speed, torque, and power. We'd expect nothing less out of a servo put on the market by a guy that pushes his equipment to the absolute limits flight after flight. If they're good enough for Bert, then they're good enough for me. BK Servos. Keeping my heli feeling connected. www.bkservo.com So what's going on, Kerry? What's new? Oh, a lot of things are new. Yeah? Uh, I uh, Since the last time I talked to you guys, I started a little business that uh, focuses on gas-powered helicopters. It's oddly enough called gasPoweredHelicopters.com. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, real That's original. A you, you put a lot yeah, of thought into it. It's <laughs> not just a clever name. Did you... Did you hire like a, a marketing company to come up with that? Yeah, how many? What size team did it take to come up with that? <laughs> this this is where you ask what 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 name did I not use? Right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's Justin's question. That's yeah. That's always my question, right? Well, you know, I'm trying to keep on the theme of gas powered thoughts, um, and I've been trying to get this name for a while. But somebody in Australia bought the domain name 
and uh, wants like thousands of dollars for it. So I found that if I hyphenated it, it was clear I could use it, no problem. So it's, uh, you know, that's going. And um, my first product was uh, a collaboration with a guy in Australia who's designed a conversion for the Goblin. And I know you guys probably saw at least one or two of those things fly at your fun fly. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a very cool model. Um, it's very well done. And, um, you know, the guy that uh, I'm working with does all the design work and actually did the first production run of those. And uh, we sold them all. So we're on a second run now, and um, I'm going to try to have them made here in the United States, at least almost all the parts. And, um, you know, we'll try with some more. And also uh, stocking engines and, you know, other, other stuff that's particular to gas, uh, gas helicopters. We'll see where it goes. I mean, I'm not experienced RC or heli pros or, and never will be. Right. But it's kind of, a, kind of a niche market, and, you know, I can focus on that and, and maybe help people. Help people with gassers? I thought gassers were easy to run. What's the deal? No? Well, they, uh, you know, they are easy to run once I mean, you get them. I mean, Justin, Justin flies them, so they can't be too hard. <laughs> Yeah, but he's a rocket scientist, man. <laughs> oh, that's right. He is. He is a and how he good does his really fly? <laughs> yeah, he tunes them like nitros. Do you want to give him a lecture on that, Kerry, while you're here? <laughs> no, no, no. I tune nitros like, like gassers. How oh, about yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, once you get used to the sound, you do tune them like, like nitros, but it's all in the sound. I literally tuned the nitro like a gasser at to less the needle than settings. a turn per needle. <laughs> Oops. It, Oops. All that for a little while. <laughs> we uh we like to give, you know, you just mentioned the sound of the gassers. We like to give Justin a little bit of guff because his gasser is just horrific, man. It's just it just rattles you. It just shakes you at your core, you know? What kind you of know, exhaust I think are you running on it? I have I've got a an, Do you even have an exhaust on there. <laughs> <laughs> it's an RJX. Oh, okay. Those See, here's the thing. Off. I think these guys bad. are oversensitive because when we heard Doug Darby's gasser, and we've heard Carl's as well. Carl Hewitt uh, is a local guy here. I mean, they don't sound that different. I think they just like giving me a hard time. Uh, uh, Doug's hmm. sounded amazing. And Carl's was by all means tolerable. There's a big difference. When was the last time you heard my gasser, dude? It's like still ringing in my ago. ears. I don't <laughs> he's know he's still Justin, hearing. When was the last time you flew it? Huh? Well, you say? it's. I got rid of the whiplash, so I just have the power plant right now, waiting <laughs> to put it into an actual helicopter. <laughs> Some things uh, just leave impressions. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you guys are just big whiners. It's that whole gasser thing, man. That whole gasser thing. So nah, Nick's gonna get one. Terry, I heard uh, Doug had a modified RJX pipe. What an amazing tone! Like just smooth, and it it seemed like it was pulling really good. Uh, that was the that was my first gasser that I heard that I went, "Wow, okay, all right." Now you've got my attention. I could easily, you know, get used to this. And then I got I was privileged enough to to fly Carl's. Uh, goblin gasser and it, you're right i mean that is a great great setup so it that, you know our fun fly really kind of turned gassers around for me so you're hooked now right 
Right. I don't know if I'm quite hooked. Here's the deal. I I would be completely 100% open to a gasser. But I am, I think, you know, I've I've had two goblins now. I'm a pot and boom guy. That's just what I am. Period. And I I'm not a, I don't like models that are, you know, over-engineered. I really wish that there was that gasser out there that was basically a, you know, a well-built 3D helicopter that they put a gas engine in it, not a gasser helicopter that can do mild 3D. And, like, the Whiplash was, you know, it was close. It was really close. Um, But, yeah, so that's what Nick is waiting for. Well, you know, there's not much <clears throat> can be done about the weight. I mean, you're adding a couple of pounds, and, you know, if you're sensitive to weight, uh, there's there's really not too much that can be done about that. The yeah. power, you know, the power continues to improve with uh, newer engines and exhaust systems, but they still weigh a couple of pounds more, more or less than, uh, than, than typical glow models do. They're sort of in the electric uh, weight range. Again, mm-hmm. if you're sensitive to weight, you know, I don't really know a way around that. Well, I mean, you know, the 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 Whiplash gasser was just well, the Whiplash model line in general was a little bit on the heavy side. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, when you combine that to it, I, I think there's one out there for me. I just I don't think that the that airframe has hit the market yet. You know, I, I want well, I don't know, maybe. I haven't looked into any of the conversions either, and may- maybe that's it too. Because like I, I loved my plain Jane T Rex seven hundred Nitro. I mean, that's my favorite kind of fuel model. It's just simple. Well, there are at least three conversions for the T Rex models, and you know they all work. It's just a matter of what your tastes are. What What do you like uh, in terms of styling and? Uh, which vendor do you want to uh, tie yourself to? The Helix is the one that I like the most, but it's still, I mean, that you, you don't have a, a spin start, do you, on the Helix, Carrie? You've got to still use the pull start. Yeah, on the current version of it, uh, he replaced the, uh, the standard T-Rex clutch with the standard Zenoa clutch, which is, you know, the, the car clutch, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no way to put a spin start through that. Now I understand right. he's work, working on another version that uh, that that might allow that to work, but with that particular clutch, you can't. Um, the one on the the Goblin is custom made, and it's very much like the Whiplash, where there's a, a yoke that sits on top of the clutch, and that's where the one way uh, bearing is that goes through a shaft in the top. Right. Mm-hmm. Now l- let me ask you something about the about the Goblin conversion, the Leviathan, right? Yes. It it's currently I think this is the case, but correct me, it's currently designed as a as a conversion for the original Goblin 700, not the Goblin competition, is that correct? The uh the original the original design is for the standard 700. There are variants that will fit the competition that uh that we're going to have try to have made in this next run. Okay, so that's so you can actually now run it with all of the competition hardware, and I guess most importantly, from my perspective, is the competition canopy. 
which is a little bit bigger. I yeah. think it's kind of got a little bit more pleasing shape. Yeah, I understand some people have fitted the 770 canopy on this conversion. Um, I have not seen it, nor have I tried it, but I, I know a couple of people have, have done that. And the competition is a bigger bigger canopy. Um, and again, the next uh, iteration of this, there's a new set of frames and uh, a slightly taller clutch uh, bell and shaft that, that'll work with uh, the competition series. You know of anyone that's working on like completely new gassers? Whole airframe kit? Well, Nigel, uh, Nigel Brown in uh, Australia continues to uh, tell me he's working on a TSA gasser. Uh, I think it's the TSA Platinum G. He's been mm-hmm. uh, talking about that for a couple of years now, um, but I, I think he'll eventually get it out. I know he's not going to have one at the Jamboree, uh, but he said he would be working on it after uh, after that. And there's a rumor that uh, Mr. Bodos may be working on something for the Synergy line, but that's Ooh. unconfirmed. Huh. That might be an interesting one if that Yes, uh, it will. <laughs> yeah. That comes to be. Is it... Okay, yeah. It would definitely be interesting if it was the full RC format engine. Um, I hope it's not just like an N7 that can fit the OS. He's got that already. Uh, yeah, it already couple, can. Yeah, there's oh, okay. Yeah. So this might actually be like a G7. I guess you would call it a G7. Now, again, he hasn't, he hasn't committed to doing that, but I know... Uh, He's talked about it, and there's some buzz out on the forums about it. I'm sure he'll get an earful at uh, the Jamboree and on the forums and other places from all my gas buddies. <laughs> so we're talking about airframes that are sold natively as airframes, not conversions. There are, I mean, you know, just so, because I'm sure someone's listening, oh, wait a minute, there are some out there, and we all know who they are, Century and a few others, but that's kind of not what Nick is after, though. He's after, those are all, like, mo- mostly industrial or commercial type airframes. Right or are here. they still doing the radicals? Yeah, the Century, uh, the Century radicals are not uh, industrial. They are very lightweight models. Uh, in fact, they're probably the lightest weight gas helicopters uh, you can build, at least, you know, out of the box, ready, ready for gas. They're very light. Are they still pushing the OMG carry? You know, they they did some videos on that, and I've asked multiple times, are you going to bring this thing out? And um, I don't get a good answer on that. What I, what I do know <laughs> is you can actually build it yourself because everything on it is just a standard part. You just have to know what parts to, to order. It, uh, it did look like a monster in the videos, though. Oh, yeah. It looked amazing. Uh, is the Radical still going strong? I mean, I know people have it, but didn't... Weren't people having some issues with it? I mean, was it? Well, there's two versions of it. There's uh, there's actually three. There's the 20 size, mm-hmm. which was uh, made for the uh, Zenoa G20, which is a 20cc kind of special purpose motor. And then there's the 30, which was made for uh, 23 through 30cc engines. The original version had a variety of, of teething problems like, you know, a lot of models do. Right. So they came out with a version 2. And in version 2, I think they pretty much addressed most of the issues people were having. 
So let's talk about your uh, your new shop again because right now uh, you're doing the the goblin conversion. Any plans to expand to other? I mean, maybe bring. Are you going to bring some motor lines in, or are you are you in the works? Yeah, currently I'm carrying um, the all the modified motors, like from BH Hansen and TRM, and I'm going to try to get one in from Century. I'm, I'm not going to carry stock engines because. You know, you can buy those from Dave's Discount or other places. Right. Like I said, I'll, I'll never be, you know, Experience RC or Heli Pros, and I can't compete with those guys, and I'm not trying to. Right. Uh, I've got kind of a special purpose, and, um, you know, there's, there's sort of a special market that I don't think has been addressed. Whether or not it's big enough to support something like this, I don't know. But, you know, I'll give it a try and see how it goes. This has been something you've wanted to do for a while, I'm guessing, right? I mean, you don't just one day wake up and say, I'm going to give this a shot. Well, it's, it's, it's something I've kind of grown into. I've been doing the, the gas-powered thought stuff now for about four or five years. And, you know, I, I've, I've taken that further than I ever thought I would. I mean, it, it's, it's got its own forum you guys let me uh, come on your podcast and babble about stuff every now and then. Uh, I've got a column uh, every issue in RC Heli Pilot. Um, you know, I do some videos. We did a Smack Talk uh, episode once. Uh, so this was just kind of a logical, gee, I wonder if I could uh, do something else with this. And the the whole goblin conversion thing came along as kind of an opportunity. Uh, the guy that designed it, Joey Chan, he runs a robotics company, so he's a he's a pretty busy guy. Loves designing stuff, but I'm not sure that um, that he wants to be caught up in manufacturing these things because uh, you know I've 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 learned some interesting lessons about how how full-size model manufacturers have to deal with all these different vendors and there's all these parts and, you know, somebody's always out of the parts you need and you're trying to put it together into a kit and the people who want them are yelling at you because they're not done. (laughs) And it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. And we got the first set and I didn't even know if we could sell them, you know, that, they're not free. I mean, they had to be paid for. And you got a bunch of money tied up in these things, and are, are you going to eat it all, or are they going to sell? And, you know, it that model's been pretty popular. Um, the biggest problem is there aren't enough of them. Yeah. What's so the price right now for it, Carrie? Uh, the conversion is, is $400 for the conversion itself. And there's a couple other optional kits. There's a uh, Top Start kit, which is separate. That's about 65 bucks. And then I put together a tank kit because a lot of people, you know, they're not familiar with the, the, the fuel lines you need to use and the fittings and the clumps mm-hmm. and everything else. So we put together like a little tank that, you know, you just buy the kit and uh, put it together and stick it in the model and it's ready to go. And that way I could split the pieces out and the, the conversion itself wasn't exorbitantly expensive it's kind of in the same price range as all of them are that's the big deal for someone like myself i wouldn't have the patience to go find all the fittings because i just you know i don't have all the gas or experience so it's really nice to be able to go and you know not have to do 
like a whole ton of research, you know, oh, what, what, what fittings am I using? What tank am I using? Well, what clunk, you know, it's, it's actually like buying a helicopter like you would any other way. Yeah. Yeah. That's been one of my, uh, hot buttons for this whole part of the market. You know, even the, the, the big manufacturers like miniature aircraft, when they were making them in Bergen and, and to a lesser degree century, when you buy the kit, I mean, you're not sure what else do I need to buy? You know, I think I need an engine. I think I need an exhaust. I need some blades. I need all these other things. But because gas helicopters have a, a lower power to weight ratio, all those things are more important. You know, if you're flying a, an electric that's got 14 horsepower, yeah, you can get some efficiencies, but okay, so I didn't use the most efficient speed controller. I still mm-hmm. got 14 horsepower. So what? <laughs> yeah. Got a little bit to spare. But but you know with these things, if you've if you've chosen the wrong exhaust system or even the wrong air cleaner for the particular setup you've got or that you're trying to get to, you won't have quite as much power. And if you're looking for everything you can get out of it, that's important. So I've always you know had this idea that. For, for a given model, here's a package. You know, It's everything you need to know. Whether or not you buy all the parts, these are the parts you should buy. And if you buy all those parts, here's kind of what you're going to get. And it's pretty consistent with yeah. what you get. And I think you touch on something that's pretty key, especially to those that are maybe interested in this particular conversion when it is available again. Uh, you know, you have a lot of resources. I mean, you've got the, the healthy freak forum that you, you have. And and so you've, you've documented all this stuff for the person that wants to attempt to do this for the first time. Makes it a heck of a lot easier. Yeah. I've really gotten a lot of positive feedback on the, the build threads I've done and on the videos I've put together because, um, you know, if, if you watch those things or you go through them, you can build it and it'll work. You know, I, I can't go through every aspect of a setup like, you know, you guys did the series on, on fly barless setups. That's pretty complicated stuff, and every model's different, and I really can't, I can't do that effectively because whatever I say won't apply to everybody, and then I'll get yelled at because <laughs> I, screw, I screwed up somebody's model. So. <clears throat> yeah. But you know how that works. But still, I mean, if you're going to venture into the gasser, I mean, who better to buy a conversion from than Carrie Shirley? You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, come on. I mean, well, I'm I'm hoping more people think that way. Uh, <laughs> so, so that's because, the plan. Because uh, because otherwise I'm going to go down in a in a huge smoking hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's awesome that you're doing that because it's one thing to buy a kit from say Matt Botos who does electric and nitro. I mean, the guy, he knows what he's talking about there, but again, if you're going to buy a nitro or a gasser, you should buy somebody, buy it from somebody that, that specializes in it. I think it make it a lot easier to, uh, as, be- as best I can tell, I am the only person doing this, uh, maybe in the world, uh, at least from trying to collect, you know, different pieces for, uh, specifically for gas helicopters. And, you know, right now I'm, I'm dealing with the Goblin. Um, Joey's working on a 570 version, which uses the OS uh, GT15 engine. 
coincidentally, you could use it to put a nitro or a glow motor in that model as well. But uh, it's specifically set up for the GT15. And I think he may work on another model like an Agile 7.2 after that. Uh, but there's other conversions out there, and you know, I'm I'm talking to everybody who makes one to see if if they're willing to work with me to try to carry some of their stuff as well. Spread the gas or love, right? That yeah, would be something cool like that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I agree you with have, that. You one, officially Nick. have my attention. I'm with you. <laughs> Perked yep. up a little bit. Huh? Yeah, it's a beefy airframe. And I, yeah, it is. I, very beefy, and I, I think that would work well. Carrie, what are your thoughts on the the smaller gassers? You know, we've got the the Gowie NX4 gasser that they're talking about here with a little, is it a 10cc engine in it? It is, yeah. Uh, I can tell you that I, I got to fly one of the prototypes, and personally, I, I couldn't make it work right. Now, I know Doug's got one, and they've made some changes to the engine, and from what I've talked to him, it's it's working okay. Uh, I had what aspect of it were you challenged to get working? Uh, I couldn't get it to draw fuel correctly uh, because the it has a standard what looks like a standard glow carburetor on it, which doesn't have any sort of pump, and the fuel system doesn't use pressure. And you know, go try to fly your glow model without muffler pressure or without any sort of engine oh, pressure yeah. and We're see how well that in. works. <laughs> works real good for like five seconds. Yeah, you know, not too good. Well, it's the same idea, um, but you can't really pressurize a, a tank of gasoline because if for some reason it comes loose, you're spraying gasoline everywhere, and that's not a good plan. And that particular uh, engine doesn't have any sort of pump on it. So, you know, it may work great. I don't know. My experiences weren't that good. Uh, they have made changes to it, like I said. I know uh, the standard configuration for fuel now is is much deeper in oil. When I was fooling with it, it was like a 20-to-1 mix, and they've dropped it down to 10-to-1 now. It's got just a huge amount of oil in it wow. for a gasoline yeah. mix. Huh. It's venturing into uh, glow glow uh the slimer area for oil. yeah it it does put out quite a bit of oil i understand but like i said i think doug's got it working I, I, he may have flown it at your fun fly did he have it no he, i didn't see it he did he yeah, did he, he was it, it was oh, the first day i think it was friday morning or early afternoon before the rain and it you know i didn't go and talk to him but it looked like he was having a little bit of trouble yeah, he was working on it still. I saw him fly it a, a couple of times, and I went okay. over there and talked to him about it. And, uh, you know, I think he's just dutifully going through it, trying to get it to work, and I think he will eventually. He seems to I'm have sure a stick-to-it <laughs> kind of mentality. Yeah, so, Well, you know, it's a new uh, it's a new idea. It's a, it's a new motor from a new company trying new things, and, and I'm sure they'll get it worked out, just like OS has spent time – with this GT15, the, the prototypes on that didn't work very well. And they made some changes, and they got it working. And some people had some problems with it, and they made more changes to it. And I, I, I think it's fairly stable now. I've had pretty good luck with it. I know not everybody does, but it's, it's all about the heat. You know, the yeah. gasoline runs so much hotter, 
And if you haven't optimized the cooling system in whatever model you've put it in, the thing will get hot. And once it gets hot, bad things happen. That's just <laughs> true of all these engines. Yeah, I know I had a, I did, uh, did some stuff with an RJX and you and I had talked about this and that was definitely that, that the heli's problem is just, just couldn't get rid of the heat. Yeah, the the original uh, RJX, I, I tried flying one of those for a while. The cooling system wasn't very good, and the clutch system wasn't very good. I, I know there was a second version of it. I never never fooled with that at all. I don't don't know. Yeah, I don't think it took off. Well, there was one good video of it, some guy from Germany in the middle of the winter, just flying the piss oh, out yeah. of it. Yeah, I remember <laughs> for, two, for two minutes, flew, flew, for, flew great for two minutes. Don't know if it ever flew again after that. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me though nick you were talking about uh uh the rjx pipe on uh, doug's helicopter yep. rjx i don't know if he talked about it too much <clears throat> it's actually sold through hobby king and it is almost an exact copy of a hattori muffler and from all the the all the the testing i've seen hattori is one of the just best running mufflers for mm-hmm. performance, you get, you know, higher, I've seen dyno charts on it and the power is in a higher, uh, portion of the power, uh, curve than with some of the other mufflers. It's not necessarily higher everywhere, but it is at the higher RPMs. And so RJX bas- basically copied this thing. Uh, it's a little heavier and they unfortunately aren't very consistent about the metal they put in it. So, you know, if you look on the forums, you'll see some that have melted and fallen into pieces and holes have blown in it and other things. I've got like one that. that did that. Yep. Well, I think the first one that I got, the back end of it, like, melted and just started drooping. Mm-hmm. Not uncommon. <laughs> but then, you know, it retails for $49. So, uh-huh. you, know, you get what you pay yep. for. And I think uh, that's, they were modifying it. And I, I mean, for a test bed. Absolutely. I would be very scared and very nervous to hack apart my Hattori. Yeah. Um, a guy named Tom Welch, who uh, who lives up in the Northeast, uh, spends a lot of time uh, trying different things. And um, he cut the, cut the RJX apart and drilled some extra holes in some of the baffles and took some of the tubes out and weld it back together. Get better flow with it. Seems to make better power. It's a little noisier, but if you get one that, you know, the metal is is the way it's supposed to be, it seems to work. You know, I'm scared the hell of using of them because I can just see the thing going through the rotor head. But um, there are people having <laughs> having success with it, and I can't argue with that. I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about a couple things. Uh, first of all, let's talk a little bit about the big event coming up here. Are you excited for it, Urcha? Of course, I'm talking about. Oh man, it's a it's it's Woodstock for helicopters. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> we're <laughs> we're, uh, we're getting ready to head out uh, next week, and uh, can you guys believe that already? Gee, many crickets. Two weeks, dude. Two weeks. Is it two, two weeks? weeks? I know you're excited. Yeah, he's. <laughs> is it <laughs> no? Dan is it two weeks? Next week. He's like. It's not after. Wait, what's today? No. Oh, oh that's awesome. Him. Oh well, actually, yeah, no. I'm excited still got about time, that. But but not a lot. Yeah, not a lot of time. That's good. That that's good. I actually was thinking it was next week or leaving. Woo! Like, 
So anyway, Urch is coming. <laughs> it's a little bit later than I had in my in my mind, but uh, what what advice do you got for us as first timers to Urcha? Um, well, get there early if you're going to try to park your RV because uh, it gets totally out of control. Early would uh, be Wednesday, uh, probably probably Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, it depends on where you're going to want to park. There's there you can either park along the flight line or there's a separate campground. And uh, if you're going to go on the flight line, uh, you know I think probably Tuesday's the latest you're going to get there before it gets crazy. Tuesday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday. And, uh, I you know I never I always go in on Thursday, so I don't really know. Don't but really I, know. I know what people tell me, which uh-huh. is the crowds come in. You know, like Doug's going in the Saturday before, and there's a bunch of people going with him so there's there's people there days in advance and not too much afterwards it pretty much clears out afterwards yeah but um make sure you have a golf cart or carts as the case may be uh because it's a big place yeah check that yep you got that okay good uh it's a huge place uh be prepared for um inclement weather that comes from nowhere uh, <laughs> yeah, we're familiar a with lot that. About that, <laughs> but uh, we're kind of used to it around here. Pretty much feel yeah. like an expert. Yep. I, I so would check. I would. I would bring something warm, just in case, because of the last many years I've been there, all but one of them, it's been cold one day, and I mean like fifties in the morning. What? What? That's cold. That's Whoa, that's yeah, weather. You just outed yourself in a big way. That's I'm a, a warm weather dick. dick. You are a warm weather dick. <laughs> fifty. It's 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 not that's, even fifty degrees here in the morning. Yeah, during the summer. During, during the, summer. the summer. Well, in that case, just wear shorts all the time. <laughs> yeah. Just don't. Okay. And bug spray. I've, I've been hearing a lot of people tell me to make sure we bring a lot of bug spray. Are there are a lot of bugs that hurt you? You know, I haven't seen too much of that. Um, there is a lot of um, allergens in the air because there are crops growing all around the, the facility. And huh. if you're allergic to specific things, depending on which way the wind's blowing, might cause you some problems. I know it's caused other people problems. So we've got lots of crops up here too. So I think we're good to go. (laughs) Let's talk about the, you guys are growing that funny stuff up there though, right? In Washington. (laughs) That's what I hear. That's right. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about this. You know, everyone tells us, uh, it's just a sensory overload. I mean, there's just so much going on. Um, I mean, should we, I, I would assume flying really probably isn't the big thing on the list. I mean, there's so much going on. I mean, did, when you go, do you get a lot of flying in? I don't even bring helicopters. Oh, uh, no? Yeah. No, because first off, I fly <laughs> up there, and it's a real pain in the ass to, to carry stuff around. You got to get all the gasoline out of them, and it's just not worth it. You know, I, I go up there for a couple of days, I do uh, I do my little seminar on Friday, and uh, then I just hang out, talk to friends, talk to the vendors, and uh, have fun, relax. There's there's just so much going on. If you look at the maps that have been published, 
there's there's segments of the field for different things. Like there's a multi rotor site, which Dan, you'll probably want to stay at. No, come on. Oh, Dan. there you go. Oh, Dan. Right up his alley. What, multi, wow. What's this multi rotor talk all about? <laughs> yeah. There's a section for for small stuff, like 450s only. The there's the big uh the main, you know, show central where all the the uh, Vendors are demonstrating, and all the the one competition is, and and all the noontime demos. The way they normally do it is they allocate um, the the show central, or at least if not show central, one of the other sites for vendors, and they they literally fly all day long. They call it power hours, and you can see the team pilots flying all day long wherever those power hours are. And then, of course, they have the one competition, which is on Saturday, and um, noontime demos, which go for a couple hours. And then they have a fireworks show on Saturday night with night flying. It's, uh, you know, it's just constant activity. And yeah. there's, some other, there's some other contests. They have an auto-rotation contest. They're doing the speed runs this year. Uh, they do them every year, actually. Huh. Oh, just, yeah. Yeah. I think you're going to get involved in that, Justin. I will be there competing. It, it's gotten more and more sophisticated each year. I, I think they're using speed traps this year. That's what I hear. Uh, in the past, it's been done with people and stopwatches. And, you know, if you win, it's great. And if you don't, it's it's the people's fault who are timing you. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You know. laughs> But they're gonna they're gonna use uh, some sort of timing traps, and I think that'll that'll probably settle that down. But we're uh, we're really looking forward to uh, to the trip, and uh, we're actually looking forward to maybe getting you behind the mic at Urchi as well. So you need to stop by, or we'll come uh, we'll come we'll come dig you up too. We we're gonna be walking around with a uh, mobile recording device. That'll be cool. Yeah, yeah I'll uh, I'll come annoy you and. Uh, Justin, you can stop by my uh, my little seminar on on Friday and uh, learn something. Or get you tuned me. right up. Learn, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. Learn learn how to how to make that. We usually have pretty good turnout. I've gotten you know thirty or forty people at that thing every year, and uh, the manufacturers provide support. I've got uh, conversions to give away, and it it's oh, uh, nice. It's it's uh, it works out pretty well. We'll I'll, I'll be trail. dragging Nick along with me so that he learns how to do his uh, his next helicopter here. Hmm. <laughs> that, that's a good thing. Nick's getting it, a gasser. It wouldn't be that bad, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> next, hey, you know what's what's amazing is it wasn't that many years ago there weren't that many choices. You only had two or three choices, and now there's just so many so many things. I mean, these conversions. Which I got to give credit, you know, the the guy who really made that work was a company called Helibug, which I know, Justin, you've done some reviews for some of their stuff. Yep. A guy named Ali Azar, uh, or Ali Azar, uh, he came up with the idea of of adapting T-Rex models. And he's sold a lot of them, and he, like, opened up a whole new market. I mean, there was one other guy doing it. Uh, and he was not making quality stuff and taking advantage of people. And Ali came along and uh, and started making quality products. And it's a whole new market. And as a result of that, 
there's just all kinds of opportunities to convert whatever your favorite model is to run on gasoline. Whereas before you had like two or three choices. All right. Next thing I want to talk about, I want to get your thoughts on uh, all this uh, recent FAA nonsense that we've been hearing about. Well, it's inevitable that we're going to get regulated uh, because particularly with the current uh, administration, regulation is important for everything. Mm-hmm. So s- sooner or later, they're going to come after us. Um, you know, I posted my comments on, on the government site, as have a lot of other people. Do I think that's going to make much difference? Uh, probably not. Um, I heard you guys talking about last week that at least some of you believe or, or may have a belief that perhaps AMA has, um, shall we say, influenced the process in such a way that they could be the governing body. Uh, let me let me correct you a little bit. I don't necessarily. I think they were an unwitting, unwilling participant. Okay. Uh, I think that that was me, by the way. That was all me. Okay. I think that um, send, send the emails to you. That's right. I, I think that the F, I think that the AMA um, didn't really look hard enough at what the FAA had in, was intending, uh, and it just so happens that I you know and again it's a conspiracy theory, but I think that um, it sets the AMA up in such a way that they can represent themselves as the organization. Uh, that where we all need to follow their standards, fly at their fields for the government to ease up on possible regulations. And that's really kind of all where I was going with that whole concept. To which I say, so what's so bad about that? Well, my point is somebody's going to regulate us. We're not going to escape this. That's great. I mean, that's great for, for somebody that lives in an area where there's three or four AMA fields. But if I can't fly my machine only at an AMA field, what happens if I live in the middle of Montana and my nearest AMA field is 200 miles away? Charter one in your backyard. You got to have four people. Mm, is yeah. that right? Is it four? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does really make it difficult for people in that situation. And, you know, the problem is I think a lot more people than you'd expect live under those conditions. Yeah, and then we might have, like, I have an AMA club, you know, close to me, but it's an all-airplane club. Exactly. So I would yeah, like we to, don't ever fly there. <laughs> yeah, that we are not welcome. I mean, we're welcome to do demos once a year. That's it. So, you know, it's, I mean, I get it. And I actually, carry. I'll, Dan, you don't have to say, well, let me clarify, because you don't need to clarify for me. I think that's what they're doing. So, um, Carrie, Carrie yeah. it kind of sounds like you you don't necessarily agree with us. Go ahead and and uh, well, you may be exactly right. I mean, the point uh, I think you made last week was their membership has been dwindling as as people. Uh, you know, there's another way to say it: as people as their membership dies off, right? Uh, most of the younger crowd don't join AMA. Um, they do if they want to fly at a, a sanctioned field. But, you know, I don't really see a problem with having some sort of special interest group to represent us who has, at least in theory, has our best interest. Well, in. and that's that's exactly. And that's the problem. 
I I mean, I don't I don't see <laughs> I'm gonna go against the grain here and I don't see the AMA being that that odd. I just don't. I just don't see I mean, we had uh the memorandum of understanding not even a year ago. Right. And here we are. I mean, it was a nice photo opportunity uh, for the AMA to stand there and shake the hand of the FAA. But where are we at? You know, now we're looking at um, regulations that could potentially affect the hobby completely. I mean, sure. absolutely just destroy the hobby. I mean, Urchin would be an illegal event should you know, this I'm, happen. I'm probably going to offend about 90% of the people listening. That's okay. But yes. I, I yeah, great way to start. Yes. <laughs> I uh, you know, Kara, you're um and there are exceptions to this, but I think there's an I think the AMA has an um I'm not gonna call it unfair disadvantage, but they are at a disadvantage and they've they put themselves in this in this boat. They, in my opinion, are out of touch of the remote control hobby as a general, you know, they, it, it is all. Um, and again, like I said, there are exceptions to this, you know, Carrie, obviously you're one of them. I mean, you're up with all of the new stuff that's going on, but generally speaking, it's a, it's an older crowd. It's older gentlemen that it, it's not, you know, RC aircraft is not just airplanes anymore. It's, you know, helicopters are growing, multi-rotors have exploded, and I think they are trying to, you know, handle something that they just, it's, I don't think that they really understand it, that they don't get it. You know, it's a bunch, I hate to say it, but it's, AMA is ran by a group of blankers. So, it's true. how, How can they relate to me, who, I don't even own a plane. You know, it, it's it's helicopters, it's 3D, it's it's fun flying, flying fast, it's FPV, it's multi-rotor stuff. How can they even relate to that unless they are willing to bring in people and staff people to represent that portion of the hobby? So I'm not, I don't particularly hold it against them because I think they're just so out of touch that they... Uh, they're not going to end up doing the right thing because they're not the right group to represent what's going on, in my opinion. I wish they were. I really do. I mean, I would, I'd still support the AMA. I believe their heart is in the right spot. I just don't think, you know, I, I'm sorry, but a, you know, a 65 year old man who has never (laughs) felt what it's like to have a, you know, a nitro at golden hour is can't represent me. And, and my wishes. And I think a lot of the people flying and a lot of the new pilots. To, to their and, defense, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm not here to defend AMA. Right, right. One way or the other. But to their defense, you know, the, the hobby is, has changed enormously just in the last few years. Oh, and yeah. The, ad, the advent of multi-rotors and all that that's bringing in with it, uh, you know, I, I don't know how anybody keeps track of it. The, the guys that uh, that you're working with in RC Fly, they sound like they have experience with, you know, government uh, interaction and uh, things of that nature with regulation. And ultimately, that's, that's where the problem is. Um, I know AMA historically has looked at 
the the RC hobby as a whole as we'll take care of you know sort of the high level stuff. Let all the special interest groups like Urcha, for example, deal with the specifics. And there's one for for pretty much each discipline. You know, there's a pattern one, and there's a scale one, and there's a helicopter mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And if in fact those organizations do what you would hope they would, it would work out. Now, I know most people look at me if I, you know, I, my Urcha number is like 31. I've been in it since it was formed. But a lot of people look at it and go, Urcha doesn't do anything for me. I'm not joining in it. Joining it, And, okay, fair enough, but it's all about numbers. You know, when you go to the FAA and say, I got 10,000 members, they slam the door in your face and you go away. If you go in with 10 million members, now they got to listen to you. Right. And and let me add, and, and, and I'm going to kind of throw on the other hat for a second. And I, I although I, I, I do have my suspicions, I still think that the recent events has completely caught the AMA off guard. I don't, I don't think they completely uh, understood or, or anticipated this happening. It just so happens, in my opinion, that this puts them in a good spot when it comes to the money grab. I think. Yeah, though, I that, agree with you on that, Dan. Yeah. I, I think they were. I think they were probably just as surprised I as think so. the rest of us because, you know, they have been at least outwardly, it seems they've been working closely with local and federal government and, you know, trying to advocate for the hobby as a whole. And then this thing comes out and they're like, whoa, where did this come right. from? Almost as if none of what they had been representing on Capitol Hill did anything. And I, I absolutely. And that's, I think, where it, you know, where it takes a certain type of person, you know, I mean, I'll I, it takes people. Uh, well, like us, for example, we we live and breathe this hobby all, you know, all day, every day in, in our aspect of this hobby that we we work at a different pace than they do, period. We are a little more open to those rapid changes and understand what it takes to adapt. And I think that the, the helicopter portion of the hobby as a whole is a lot better about that. I mean, you can put out a helicopter and it's the hottest thing in the whole entire world for two months and then it's gone. No one's got one. And that's, you know, that's what we are used to rapid instant gratification. Boom. It's hot. It's not onto the next boom. And so, you know, the people that are in the heli side of the hobby, uh, that's just what they're accustomed to. I don't think that AMA is very accustomed to that and are uh, maybe our staff to deal with that or to understand that. Is that fair? Yeah. And, you know, I, I take what you say, Nick, about, you know, them. I'm going to paraphrase here and probably in, in somewhat of a derogatory sense, but you know, the old guys at AMA that do nothing but fly plankers don't have an appreciation for the heli hobby or maybe some of the other dynamic, more dynamic aspects of model aircraft, whether or not that's true. And I, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to say either way from my perspective, the perception is that is the case. Yes. So uh, AMA, exactly. if you're listening, prove us wrong. 
you know, tell, I, I hear you guys have our interest as a as a modeling and arrow modeling community in mind, but you know, I, I got to feel like there is more of an appreciation for some of the hotter and quicker growing factions of the hobby than there seems to be right now. That's yeah. We've had this discussion before where it's like, if I don't care if they're moving mountains in the background, if no one feels like they are or no one gets that impression on the outside, or if they're not portrayed that way, then that's a problem. And they're going to start losing reality. Yeah. It'll be, you know, based on your comments about AMA, it'll be very interesting to hear your observations once you get there, because this is the national flying site. It's a thousand acres. It's it's mm-hmm. a thousand acre site for flying models. They have a rather uh, uh, modern headquarters building that they built. They have a museum on site that they built, and you know that's where all this stuff runs out of. So it'll be interesting to to see your observations of AMA as a as an organization. You know, here in the middle of the country is this thousand acre site where you can go enjoy your hobby, but you know, I, it's a long trip, and I only go there once a year. <laughs> yeah. Most and most other people yeah. don't go there at all. Yeah, if I mean, if I was living locally, I would say they're doing everything right because it'll be great. Let me fly and fly how I want to fly and what I want to fly right here at home. This is perfect. As long as that doesn't get affected, that's great. And for guys who fly. You know, like in, in your area, they're they're close to torches or something like that where they have a big club. It's it's perfect. That'll be just fine. But there's a lot of country out there, you know, yeah. a, lot, a lot of us flying in those. Well, like us, we're a great example. Justin's club, you know, we're all within five miles of an airport. So now we have to go find a new flying site. And am I going to have to literally make a club in order to fly. Just keep flying. Yeah. I, I can tell you that one of the things that, that I have been disappointed in is they got a couple of people allocated to, um, I don't know what it's called, flying, flying field coordinators or, you know, their, jo- their role is to help with flying fields. And, you know, we were, we were having some problems a couple of years ago and I, w- I went to AMA and said, you know, I need some help. We're going to have to work with governments uh, to get some property, you know, what do we do? And they sent me a lot of information that got you nowhere. I didn't really know what to do with it. Yeah. And that was, that was it. You know, there yeah. was, there was nobody <laughs> else to help me. And if you're dealing with, oh, you, that's the only way out of this. I mean, we're going to have to deal with, with min, municipal governments or county or state governments to get property, uh, because, you know, private owners, either are going to sell the property or they don't want to deal with the liability and governments are allocating space for, for recreation. So that's the way to go. But you know, the average person doesn't have any idea how to work that system. And if you know how to work that system, you'll be amazed at what you can make happen. If you don't know, you'll get the door slammed in your face (laughs) in five minutes and that's it. Yeah. I ran into that very same thing here. I mean, it's exactly that same story. Uh, let me, uh, okay, let's, let's take the AMA out of it because, you know, let's just talk for just a second about just the FAA and, and, uh, let me run this idea past you, Carrie, and see what you think. What if, um, 
what if this latest proposal uh, was drastic? Uh, it does a couple. Th- it is drastic. But what if what if it uh, was kind of a, a maneuver on the FAA's part to essentially draw a very definitive line between commercial and hobby, uh, all the while allowing them to possibly uh, give themselves some negotiating room? Because, uh, do you, I mean, in other words, they don't really necessarily, I think, want to restrict the hobby at the level at which they are talking. However, now it's easier for them to back down because, you know, they've got a list of demands A, but actually they'll go down a bit. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, they, it's some yeah. negotiating room. Um, that, that, that would be a nice thing. Do you, do you think that they could possibly be doing something like that? Um, I guess anything's possible. Uh, I, I just see so much overreach from every aspect of government currently that I, I just see the, you know, if, when I first saw this, what I thought of was, so last year, year before AMA was working with the Senate, the FAA was going to come down with this, this ruling that was going to basically shut us down. And they worked with the Senate and they got uh, a law or something passed that basically said, whatever you're going to propose doesn't apply to models, doesn't apply to the hobby. And I saw this as the FAA said, oh yeah, watch this, watch what we can do. Yeah. And that's the scary part. Um, you know, I, I, you know, let's, let's look at this realistically. The reason this is happening, uh, and I know the multi-rotor guys are going to hate me for saying this, but it's the, the explosion of the multi-rotor, the small, inexpensive oh, multi-rotors. Yep. Anyone the can get their hands drones. on drones. Yeah, the drones. Um, people who have no respect for the hobby because they're nev- they have never been in the hobby. They don't, whether it's it's uh, airplanes or helicopters or gliders or static lines, whatever they've been doing, or, you know, they haven't been doing any of that. But they see this opportunity in their mind. Oh, I'm going to strap a camera to this and uh, take a picture of my neighbor's house and try to sell them the, the photo, right? And now we have people flying into airport yeah. space. We have people crashing their shit into... Uh, buildings in Manhattan. And this is happening, it seems, daily. We hear of some craziness. Mm-hmm. And so this, this mm-hmm. uh, it's a self-perpetuating problem. Uh, the media picks up on it. And now all of a sudden we're hearing reports um, from full-scale pilots who are seeing stuff on approach or landing or, or taking off, and, and they're just assuming it's a, a UAV of some kind. Uh, it could be a bird. It's off so far in the distance, but, but it's the first thing that everybody goes to. And, yeah. and, and this recent, all these little reports that we've been hearing, uh, due to the, the phantoms and they're pretty much all the phantoms, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Just flying yeah. and being ridiculous. And, um, you know, and this is the, this is the one thing that I, a year and a half ago that I was kind of railing on and, uh, got quite a bit of, static over it's just a reality of the situation and i don't know what we can do about it education yeah i don't i don't know even how you would regulate that i mean when i when i saw this this the story about amazon is going to deliver your packages with uh. Uh, 
these little UAVs or the pizza guys are going to deliver your pizza. I'm just <laughs> thinking this is never going to happen. I mean, things, <laughs> things, yeah. things break, you know, your, your pizza is flying to your house and one of the propellers flies off of one of the rotors. And so what happens to your pizza? Are, you know, you, <laughs> and I think that, you know, people that are in the hobby appreciate <laughs> the statement that you just said, right, Carrie? I mean, we all know that nothing's perfect. The prop's going to break, you know, yeah. an ESC is going to burn out. Something's going to take too long and we're going to burn up the, the lipo. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's almost as if because this is what I thought when I saw it. Amazon looks at, at it as a as a tool and they don't know anything more about it. And quite frankly, it makes them look stupid well, for for coming out and saying stuff like that unless they've got a way to get eyes, around though. it. I got in our eyes, it makes them look yeah, dumb. In our in the public eyes. size, it makes them look innovative. No, I, yeah, yeah I, I agree. To the hobby, I'm saying, it makes them look uneducated. And think yeah. about this, guys, on top of that. Whether we think it was stupid or not, every news source in the world was talking about Amazon. Oh, no, sorry. yeah, that was oh, very yeah. well it's played. true. <laughs> I mean, whether they actually had intentions of it coming to be or not, it didn't matter. Yeah, they got their payment. <laughs> Dude, they just, they bought millions and millions of dollars worth of advertising with one silly comment. You know, come on. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do about it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully <laughs> at the, uh, when this all comes down, uh, we don't uh, we don't see any drastic changes to our hobby, but I, I just don't see a way out of being regulated by somebody. And if I had my druthers, I would rather be regulated by somebody who may be out of touch, but at least understands I would, what I would, I'm doing. Yep, I would yep. agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, that's very fair. And uh, and that is that is the other side of the shoe. I mean, they are the organization, like it or not. That represents us, yep. and, and they and, uh, do understand the hobby yep. more than some damn senator oh, from yeah. whatever And they state. have the potential. They have the potential to do it. I mean, that's the key. They do have the tools and the potential to do it. Now, the other thing I think is if, if that came to pass and they become very important, I mean, the AMA is – the top-level guys, uh, you know, they're on salary and – to be honest, I'm not even sure. Well, they all get elected. Most of them get elected. Other people can run. You know, the, the president gets elected by a vote of the membership. If all of a sudden AMA is critical to whether or not my hobby exists, so you run. Well, that's uh, a good point. That's you, a, run, yeah. you run Dan for president. Well, you everybody votes yeah, for Dan. Yeah, there we go. Dan for president. For the task, Dan. Let's start a campaign. You know. You don't want Dan running the AMA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no one wants that. <laughs> Nobody wants that. No. Now, Carrie Shirley, on the other hand. There we go. Not moving to Muncie, bud. <laughs> Not moving. <laughs> you can, yeah. Come on now. You'd be at the heart. You'd be at the heart of all things RC. I like being a warm weather dick. Thank uh, you. You don't like the winners? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't like cold at all. Uh, Remember, 50, cold. 50, okay, cold. Yeah, crazy. that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, 50 is not cold. 50 is nice. 
Well, then you guys are going to have a great time at the at the jamboree. It really doesn't matter what happens. You'll be well. It's the humidity. <laughs> the humidity. Of, I mean, it's. I I gather it's it's it's. If it gets stuffy there, I imagine it's going to be. The air conditioner is going to come in handy. Yeah, if the bad weather doesn't come in, it's going to be possibly dangerous because the feels like is like 110. Oh no! Yeah, see, that's that's extreme. That's awful. You wind up either you uh, you hydrate or you you heat stroke, and I'll I'll be honest, I've gotten very hot there before to the point where you know I got to sit down because this is uh, this is not feeling right. You, you can get very hot there. All right, going to shift gears one more time before we let you go. Okay, but we might as well talk about it because it's we're really looking forward to it. Of course, it's not for quite some time. End of the year. Uh, RCHN's coming to OHB. Right. That's ter- that's terrific. Oh, we're looking forward to it. We got our we got our uh, our our tickets booked. And, yes. uh, yeah, it's official. Official. Yeah, I'm coming with my Disney hat and swim trunk. Are you? <laughs> I don't. Sure. I'm staying a whole Disney week. Hat, huh? Yeah. Is it the one with the little Mickey Mouse ears? Yeah, no, I got yep. the Mickey Mouse face mask, Nick. I won't up to you. You got the face mask? Yeah, oh, dude. dude. <laughs> that's creepy. That, that is cool. It's this hard to keep these guys on track here. I'm <laughs> sorry. It, sorry. It's it's very common for people to come in a day or two early or leave a day or two late and spend some time at the parks because, hell, they're all here. Well, I'm I'm coming a day or two early and leaving a day or two late, but I plan on hanging out at the club and flying. Oh, well... We can't allow that. I mean, can't, you, you, can't, you can't do that. <laughs> you're not a member. Dan. Yeah, you're not a member. You know, overstay your welcome. Overstay your welcome. I'm really looking forward to coming down. Here's the thing. Uh, you know, December, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark and say it'll be, what, 25 degrees A couple out, feet of snow. A couple feet of snow. Yeah, uh, hopping on hope- a plane, and a few hours later, I'm going to be in sunny Florida. Shorts. We hope it will not be in the 20s. We hope it will be like last year, where it was in the 70s and 80s. Oh my God! Could you imagine? 70s. That would be amazing. December. Oh. Last year was the best weather we've ever had. It was beautiful. It's going to be that way this year too, right? I hope it is. So what are the, what are the dates? Give us the dates. Um, you know, I got to look. Yeah, because- see, Harry's not the, I, I do the same thing. Oh, <laughs> man. Come on, Dan. You know the dates. December 6th, isn't it? December 5th through the 7th. There you go. At least we hope, because that's when had- we booked our tickets. You had to embarrass me. <laughs> Don't up. feel bad. I have to, I had to do the same thing all the way about a, until about a week before the event. And I pulled yeah. the sanction for it, so I should know exactly what it is. But, you know, I'm I'm still in, in jamboree prep mode. Right after we get back from that, that's when uh, that's when all the OHB yep. prep kicks in. And then I know all the dates all the time. But There you go. Uh, well, we're looking forward to We're looking forward to, for the first time, getting uh, the crew, the RCHN crew, onto the East Coast. Uh, That'd be great. It's going to be a first yeah. time. We've got a lot of a lot of amazing listeners uh, in that area. Can't wait to finally, you know, we've talked to most of them and it's uh, you know Facebook and text and and um, emails. But uh, it's going to be awesome to finally get you're, out there and meet some of those guys. You're going to find it to be a very different atmosphere than the jamboree. Because to your point, jamboree's sensory overload. I mean, it's just wall to wall. 
craziness. You know, if, if helicopters aren't flying, then people are out drag racing golf carts or wheelie contests. You know, there have been cases of people making illegal, uh, libations and, and, um, taking part in those and crazy things going on. And there's, there's picnics and, you know, there's a dinner on Saturday night that's provided by, uh, by Urcha. It's usually like Outback or something like that or barbecue. It's, it's good food. And the vendors all have, uh, after parties, um, you just kind of have to look for them. And there's, there's, there's get togethers of various groups of people from the forums. It's, it's, it's Woodstock. I'm telling you Looking without the, uh, without the, uh, the naked mud. I mean, that may go on, but certainly not at the level. Of <laughs> That's because I haven't <laughs> been there yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, OHB is much more uh, relaxed than that. You know, we have somewhere around 300 pilots. The Jamboree has around 1,000. Yeah. We'll probably have 1,100 this year. Yeah. We wind up with around 300. Um some of the best pilots in the world come in because they know they're going to have fun. Usually the weather's kind of nice. They can spend some time at the parks, come out and fly. No pressure. They don't have to put on a show. They can just do what they want. And uh, a lot of people from uh, this region come in because they want to, you know, meet the pilots and see the pilots and watch them fly. We get uh, some new products debuted, but uh, the Jamboree and, and Toledo is really where where most of the new stuff gets debuted, it'll be uh, it'll be a good time. You'll have fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. Nice. Can't wait to see Bert's tattoo. Cannot wait. <laughs> oh, you can what see you, that. What did jam. you say, Dan? Can't wait to see Bert's tattoo. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll see that. I could probably take see it, a picture of yourself, a selfie next to it. Here's the deal, though. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to just for that. But here's the deal, though, uh, Carrie. The difference is, yeah, I might be able to see it at Urcha, but. Uh, at OHB, I'm going to be able to get him on the mic and make fun of him for it. Oh, uh, okay. Well, you've done that already. Yeah, but I'm going to do it again because that's kind of what we do. Oh, okay. <laughs> in person, so you got much really better. In person, so home. much better. I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm trying to come up with some stuff so we can kind of rib you a little bit too when we're down there. Oh, great. Yeah? Thanks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you're out collecting intelligence on me as we speak. Yes, in court, yes we are. Oh, great. <clears throat> No, we're, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we we appreciate you guys having us down there, and man, we just can't wait to get there and uh, kind of do what we do and uh, and bring uh, bring that magic to the East Coast. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's uh, it'll be a whole nother level of uh, of fun to the event. Each year, we kind of grow it a little bit uh, in different ways. Uh, last year, we uh, we brought a guy named Nick Johnson in. Oh yeah. And- if you watch Telemasters or any of that, he does all the the narrative and the commentating for that. He's going to be at the Jamboree as well, but uh, we brought him over here, and he really, you know, helped with keeping things flowing because somebody's got to sit there and talk, you know. Otherwise, you don't know what, you know, the pilots are doing, or it, it just gets boring with just playing music all day. So he, he really livened it up and kept it going, and uh, he's going to do that again this year. And awesome. uh we had somebody come in and do a uh, a trailer video, which you may have seen. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. done pretty professionally. I think we're going to have that done again this year, uh, so we can include your guys' silliness in that as well. And uh, 
some of the some of the folks like uh, I know Bobby had a party last year, and I think Bert has some parties where everybody goes to their house and just has a good time. Did you uh, speaking of video? Did you did you happen to read the little fine print in the video about uh, Dan not being on video? Did you mm, did you read no. that clause? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Justin, <laughs> did you not put that in there? You, 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 and, I, you and I talked about that. Yeah, I uh, I pulled it at the last second. Yeah, that, that one always gets pulled because I always enjoy watching you be on video. Oh, it's such so comforting, so natural. I'm just natural. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. it's incredibly natural, dude. I was there. I I saw that pinion interview. Oh, you didn't know any better. Uh, it was like you walked in and just farted in the middle of church. Oh man. <laughs> I literally felt like if someone would have tapped me on the back, I would have shattered like glass. I was so tense. <laughs> yeah, you were not a happy camper. You say there. shattered your glasses or shat your pants? <laughs> yeah, I think I think John, I think opinion and John are going to be there as well. I'm looking forward to that. Man, what an amazing guy that guy is. A lot of fun. And you're going to get another interview. Oh opinion. come on, let's get off the whole video thing, right? Yeah, dude, you brought it up. You're killing me. You're killing me. All righty, Carrie. Well, uh, I know it's. Uh, I appreciate you staying up late. I know it's a uh, big time difference uh, for you East Coasters. I appreciate you guys uh, letting me come on and visit for a while. All righty, Carrie. Well, have a good one. We're looking forward to seeing you in a couple weeks at Urcha and uh, then again in Orlando. And anytime you want to come on, you got some gasser news. I know we haven't done a gas powered thoughts segment lately, but uh, we should probably get, get some of those done. Sounds great, man. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, Carrie. Have a good one. Thanks, Carrie. Take it easy, Carrie. Talk to you later. See ya. Well, there's Carrie Shirley. Thanks a lot, Carrie, for stopping by. Looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks at Urcha and then uh, again in December. Looking forward to it. Thanks, man. Excelente. So we're going to kind of close up here. Kind of a long one. Well, uh, I, I got a few mentions I want to make first, but let's do some emails first. Uh, Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, you would send me an email at nick at rchelynation.com. Jesse? Uh, you would shoot me an email at jesse at rchelynation.com. Or like the guys mentioned last week, you could also catch me on Facebook. Another great way to get in touch. No fly. Justin at <laughs> rchelynation.com. You guys notice how he just... Responded right to that. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting <laughs> yep. for the silence, but no. <laughs> or Facebook, which seems to be much better nowadays than my crappy email. And I am Dan. You can reach me at Dan or ZLNation.com. Dan can you read on the forums. Uh, a couple quick mentions. Uh, Facebook, thank you for your support there. Check it out. Uh, of course, you got our forum and our webpage. You want to chat with some people. Still got some hats and shirts left. Lots of hats, lots of shirts, uh, mostly white for the most part. A few blacks left. We'll be getting those uh, sent out uh, as soon as you get them ordered. And um, I want to make another mention here. A friend of ours, a friend of the show, CPO Chris, uh, just posted something on our Facebook page a little earlier tonight. It looks like he's trying to sell a couple shirts too. Uh, look him up on CPO Chris on Facebook. Uh, it's He's just, I'm not sure. It's uh, build, fly, crash, and repeat. So he just asked us to make a quick mention there. And, uh, gosh, that's about it. Oh, one obviously quick mention to time's ticking. Go to, uh, 
uh, either the AMA page or RC Fly or government.com. I can't remember. What's that web? Do you remember the top of that uh, web page, uh, Justin, off the top of your head, the regulations one? To make your comment. Got to get in there. Time's running out. Yeah, I don't recall what the – we said it in one of the previous – episodes we have and and if and uh you know you can like i said you can go to rc fly you can go to ama there's a few other i just noticed uh earlier today that uh, i'm on a tower hobby mailer and uh, they sent out a mailers that has a link to it as well so very easy easy to find uh but time's ticking i believe the 24th is the final day so i also saw a stat that said they're looking at like only three or four percent of the hobby has responded so come on guys don't be Do shy <laughs> get in there voice your opinion hey dan we got one more too what's up digging in baby oh that's right oh, digging in zone yeah yes digging finally. in episode number four troubleshooting 101 is live on itunes um or many ways to get it on uh android device yep so CD make baby it happen so inclined. it's a long one it is a long one it is a long one, over an hour long, and we basically, we teach you how to do what we do, which is troubleshoot. We don't troubleshoot your problems for you. We're teaching you uh, kind of like our process and what we go through, and not just, you know, the heli hobby, but kind of our our real lives and real jobs that actually pay the bills. Um so yeah, if if you struggle, if you're that person that is just like, man, you know, you your heli comes falling out of the sky and you don't even have a clue where to start, um, this is this is the one for you. Uh, a direct way to find that is if you go to our webpage and you click on the top on the episodes uh, or not episodes, you'll actually see a link uh, right next to episodes it says digging in. That mm-hmm. will then take you to a page where you can decide whether you want to go to CD Baby for your Android or if you want to go to iTunes. Uh, either way, it is available. Uh, $2.99, I think, is what yep. this episode is going for. And if you forget and you're not around, you're just like, oh, crap, I want to hop on iTunes. How or why, I have no idea. Uh, you could search digging in. It For some odd reason, it doesn't seem to come up. If you search Nick Lynn. Nick Lynn. you got to search by artist, and Nick Lynn is the artist. Yeah. Uh, also, too, I want to... Uh, the. I know you sent me an email. There's two of you out there that have lifetime subscriptions. Do me a favor, and I... I it's in my inbox somewhere, but there's a ton of emails in there. Just send me another email and let me know the best way for me to get this file to you. Um, and uh, we'll get you that digging in episode. Other than that, guys, I do believe it's uh, time to wrap this one up. Anything else you want to add before we head out? I don't think so. Think right. Let's it. do it. All right, guys, this has been episode 146. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We'll see you next Monday some stick time later guys talk to you next week no fly out this has been a production of rc heli nation llc and is brought to you by kde direct soco heli tools progressive rc genzase batteries blade helicopters bk servos and rotary wing rc 
If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email. 